Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, Egg Chasers. Welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously, and the podcast about rugby that is there for you 52 weeks of the year. Come rain, come shine, whether there's rugby on or not, and we've been doing that for, what well, we're into our 11th season now. We didn't actually mark the 10th anniversary. No. Sorry. No, we didn't. <laughs> <laughs> But um, here we are again. JB, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'll get onto your feet situation in a minute because it's quite topical. And Phil, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Tim. Good. Uh, JB is shoeless, sockless, um, naked feet, yep. uh, only fans ready. Um, do you think Joe Marler listens to the podcast? <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember. Yes, he's um, he's done something which I should have done years ago, really. Set up an OnlyFans. He set up a, f a foot fetish OnlyFans thing. I think he might have listened to the podcast, uh, our jokes, and realised it's... Uh, because the, the, the whole joke started because of old YouTube videos where some of our top commenters were talking about <laughs> JB's feet. Well, this is actually... Well, how can I be delicate about this? There is a man, and I understand him to be a very nice man, but he does have a fetish for feet. And the story goes that... Well, how is former New York Jets head coach Rex Ryan, by the <laughs> yeah, way? Yeah, quite. Well, the story is he does actually message the England team when they're in camp asking for socks. And they say he's a perfectly normal bloke, but he just wants these socks. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. We'll just get them out of the laundry. No, 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 don't wash them. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> Such a weird thing to be into. But, uh, you know, who I, am I to judge? Yeah, exactly. Everyone has their uh, little intricacies. Don't pro, just. Pro rugby players do have pretty rough feet, in my experience. My brother's feet, like the number of like nails that have fallen off, gone black. Oh, nothing worse than someone standing on your toes. Yeah. yeah. Nothing yeah. worse. I think, he's, <laughs> I think he's stood on a few feet. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and fingers, probably. Um <laughs> So yeah, anyway, we've got lots to talk about on this podcast. Hey, I'm off to Dubai to watch the Sevens Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, when are you going? Tuesday night. Can I tell you about my drama, which has occurred tonight? Well, actually, it's been unfolding very slowly, like a slow-motion car crash. Oh. And at every stage, I've had loads of time to unwind this drama, but I just haven't got around to doing it. And today, it, it might have got unmanageable. Uh-oh. So, 
I could not find my wallet anywhere. Do you guys ever use your wallets or just use your phone? Now? Jay, I'm so surprised yeah, honestly, that, that, that you losing an important piece of personal possession. I've not seen it for about four weeks, but I've not eaten either for... Inch, inches I away. you just whipped out my wallet then. I was gonna Not your wallet. Sorry, no. Inches away from your um, beautiful, um, filthy feet. So uh, the you, do you take filthy. your wallet out with you everywhere, Phil? Yeah, pretty much. Do you? Yeah, I, I don't, don't actually have my cards registered to my phone. I don't I have always, my. Ca- I don't. I have one card registered to my phone, and that's because c- c- I, I went to France, and when I was in the World Cup in France, I thought I better have a backup because um, I'm in another country. But other than that, I, otherwise, I don't like having my cards on my phone. So I have two cards on my phone. And I've got a, three separate cards for various things, like podcast or whatever it is, right? So I've got a wallet somewhere, but I never need it because I never need those cards. So I just leave it and it's got my ID in it and or I just haven't seen it. And when you're not seeing something for a long time and you just can't get I know it's in here because I've checked all my statements and nobody's using these cards. So it's not like <laughs> someone's living the good life. And I just can't find it. But I'm going to Dubai. In, and, two, in two days. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, I'm pretty sure that Google Pay works out there, but I'm not entirely certain. Anyway, last but, it, but it's also, it's not um, entirely unpredictable for you to lose your phone, say, uh, one day or six hours into a <sighs> multiple day booze. Yeah, so I am, I mean, that's when my last phone went missing. It's is, almost certainly going to happen in Dubai again. Okay. Yeah, so, in fact, have you thought about just buying another one and taking it with you in I, your suitcase? Are you mad? This is my spare phone. This is exactly what it does. <laughs> this is literally what it does. It replaces all my other phones when I drop them in the bilge of a boat or, you know, what, uh, whatever happens. So I'm thinking last night as I go to bed, I really need to find this wallet. And as I'm drifting off, would you believe it? I just have a thought. I, oh, my God, it's in this special place. So we run downstairs, open up the drawer where it should be. Now, the wallet isn't there. But a single bank card is there, and it's the bank card that I need. I was like, yes, get in. That's fine. So I've got my emergency bank card now, and I've got my phone. Good to go. <laughs> Nothing can go wrong. Today, I put a peppermill into the cupboard, open up the cupboard. The peppermill falls out and smashes my phone to pieces, which is why I have my spare, <laughs> spare phone, phone, which has no camera on it, no camera function on it, no on, no NFC pay, payment on uh, on it. So now I've got one solitary bank card, no credit cards, no phone. Oh, living on the edge. I love the I know, no, no camera is definitely a good thing going to Dubai. Yes. <laughs> that is, that's undeniable. But he's not going to be able to prove that he had a chat with um, <laughs> Stephen Donald or whoever yes. he chatted with last year. Yeah, Stephen Donald, yeah. Stephen Donald, Casey Luawa. Leiluai. Leiluai. No, no, no. That's another guy. It's a different guy. Laulalala. Laulalani. Yeah, could be. Oh, what's his name? Good lad from Worcester who listens to the podcast. Kerry Sweeney was there. Marcel Garvey was there playing. Yeah, there's loads of people. Are you doing the CrossFit thing this time? I'm not. I don't even know. So here's another hilarious mishap from me. I've booked it a day early. So we're leaving before the last day. So this year in the sevens, they've moved it all back. They've moved it all back a day because there's meant to be a national holiday for the UAE, Martyrs Day or some such thing. So they've moved it all. So it's now Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whereas before Thursday, you, Friday, Saturday. Are you playing this time or just travelling? Just watching. Just okay. watching and reporting. <laughs> watching and reporting. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, um, we're missing the last day because we fly out on the last day because they moved back. And I didn't Who's, who's we? Me, friend of the show, uh, Dave, friend D- of the show, Ollie. Dave Mack. 
Yeah, D-Mac. D-Mac's going. Yeah. Yeah. Jealous? I'm very jealous. I, I am jealous. I'm it's sad gonna, I can't go. Oh, be good fun. How did he swing that? He. We decided this um, during the. No, de- I know, but I was <coughs> I was meant to be last weekend in La Rochelle with with this guy, and he was he was out. I saw him multiple times during the World Cup in France. He's just got an unbelievable missus. She's a proper keeper. He's, yeah. got, he's got he's got he's got small kids. Four three or three or four. Yeah, four yeah. kids. Four of them. Fair play, D Mac. So yep. Uh, so that will be my. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, so, that's going to be but of course, back for Sunday to record the pod because I'm a professional. Of course. Yes. So um, when we went to Lisbon last year, mm-hmm. which um, patron listeners might know, we might be going again to Lisbon next year, but no one else will know. Anyway, when we went to Lisbon last year, uh, it was just you and me, Jay. It was. And uh, what was it? We we landed. We got to the hotel about half five in the evening. Great time. great time to arrive. It's great time to arrive in Lisbon. Half five in the evening on Friday night. Sundowners. Yeah. Sundowners. We had a glass of wine in the hotel and then we're out. Get me to altitude. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly we, what we, did. we did. We found a few different yeah. bars um, at altitude. And the gradient, as soon as you go away from the sea, it gets um, pretty steep, pretty pretty hilly, pretty quickly. Anyway, by what, what time was it? Half eight, nine o'clock? You'd already lost your wallet. Um, <laughs> no, so I tell you where it was. was. We were in some pink nightclub bar thing. Yeah. And I remember the guy, and I, I'm almost certain that he was the one that pickpocketed me. Uh, well, it, what it meant was for the next uh, two nights, or that night and the the full day and night after, and the day after that, uh, it was me just buying all the drinks, putting them on, on my card, and then we split the bill afterwards. So either D-Mac or Ollie oh, has yeah, got to look forward to that unlucky. at some point. Unlucky. Well, I'm staying with um, my, my dear friend, Kenny. So oh, should be, yeah. Should be all right. Perfect. Anyway, anyway, Kenny, Kenny, whose wedding I crashed that was, in that South was Africa. Vaguely related to rugby. There is a rugby yeah. sevens tournament going on there. I, I, it although, is the rugby sevens tournament. Well, more and more is getting a big because the financial pickle rugby's in. More and more rugby is going to be taken out to that part of the world, isn't it? Yeah, and maybe one of the nice little offshoots of the financial woes of the game. Yet the undeniable commercial attractiveness of it to certain people, is that we're going to have entrepreneurs who set up events like Dubai Sevens, like Bournemouth Sevens. I mean, these Sevens festivals are as popular as they have ever been. And the element of it which people love is the festival mm. element. So I can see what, it. Was, wasn't more- it the uh, the World Sevens event in New Zealand They a few years ago they made dry? Yeah, cheers, lads. And nobody turned up. Weird, <laughs> that, isn't it? Because funnily enough, <laughs> this is why you the need- Sevens isn't, the rugby's not the main event. Well, this is why we need to take as many things off the administrators as we can. We don't want administrators administrating the game. Simple as that. Maybe you can maybe we can hire them in to literally fill in tables, and that's it. They, they <laughs> just have tick no, boxes. Yeah, they should have no say in what's going on. Look at the mess <laughs> that Australia find themselves in. Look at the mess the RFU find themselves in. Well, the Australia mess. I was reading about this. Uh, there is a potential seven-figure loss for Australia because they didn't fill out a form. So. And this is, you could argue, I don't know if, I think Phil War is having to having to deal with this one. I don't know if he was in charge when it happened, but it wouldn't surprise me because Phil War, um, I was surprised when he became CEO of Australia. Great bloke, 
brilliant rugby player. Mm. Not a lot of experience about uh, running a giant organisation. No, but this is the thing, Tim, right? You can't get mixed up in this. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, uh, le- anyway, so le- let's, le- let's move aside from the Phil Wall thing. What Australia did is that they, they said to uh, Bernard Laporte at the time it was, and if there's one person you're dealing with <laughs> where you want to get something in writing, it would be Bernard Laporte. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, well, who's depends. currently on a suspended prison sentence. <laughs> so, yeah, well, yeah. You either, you either want everything in writing or nothing in writing, so there is no evidence of your transactions with yeah, Bernard Laporte. Bernard Laporte says, do you want a six-figure sum to go missing? That could mean various things. Yeah. So Bernard Laporte says, you come and play uh, us in uh, France and we will give you 1.7 million Australian dollars. Australia didn't get a contract signed and are now out of pocket 1.7 million Australian dollars. Oh, and Laporte, what's he doing? Has he bought, bought another villa? Oh, yeah. oh, he's, on a, he's on a suspended prison sentence. <laughs> I'd rather him running the RFU though. I, I still Prob- haven't really probably, played. yeah, probably. Well, on on that, before we get into the, the actual game elements, and there's a lot of good stuff to talk about there. Um, that there's more uh, chat about this. Um, what's the? Is it PRG or play, PG? Uh, the player game agreement. PG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Professional game agreement. Isn't Professional it? game agreement. That's right. And the the championship clubs have said no, not interested in what you're. And now everyone's getting a little bit tense because it look and and. Um, uh, Baron, uh, what's it, Francis Fran- Baron? Yeah. Who actually, when you look back at rugby now, the golden years, you sort of think, give me, give me Francis Baron back. He yeah. knew what was doing. Uh, he knew what was going on. And Francis Baron, I was reading the rugby paper earlier. Francis Baron has said, under no circumstances should the RFU Council allow the RFU to sign off what they're planning to sign off. It will be a disaster. Yeah. So uh, you, <laughs> you're not wrong about Francis Baron. <laughs> you look at his tenure and you think, yeah. To be fair. Wasn't that bad, was it? And for all the criticism of the old farts in blazers or, you know, white guys in blazers, it's a damn sight better than the professionalisation of sport. And I don't know what the answer is, because on the one hand, you can't have a bunch of amateurs running a organisation this big, but you also can't have a bunch of employees. Someone has to own it. I mean that. Like, the way forward is somebody actually has to own the RFU. In the same way, someone has to own the rugby. E- Elon's South African. He likes his rugby, doesn't he? I mean, that'd be ideal, wouldn't it? That'd be ideal. But you look, you know, look at the NFL model. The commissioner works at the behest of the owners. He's not yep. there for the benefit of the sport. Yep. He's not there to grow the game. He's not there to build women's teams or wave rainbow flags. He's not there to do any of those things. He's there just to execute the will of the owners. So, in other words, he's there. He's there interest. to. Yeah. In other words, he's there to deliver uh, good dividends for the owners and their business. Exactly. Associates. Yeah. He's not like. Bill Beaumont, who's like, oh yeah, we'll make a sustainable World Cup. Will you, Bill? What, when you're flying teams from all around the world? You know, you need an owner. I I strongly Mm. believe this now. So Mm. this looks like it's going to rumble on the RFU, I think, are now a little bit rabbit in the headlights. Like, oh, the Championship haven't just agreed to what we're saying. What do we do now? Because we wanted the Premiership 2 thing. And so this thing's going forward, but that there are stakeholders that aren't there and one of Francis Barron's things that he suggested was there should be a absolute hard line in terms of how the funding is distributed that the RFU have and he suggested a 35-15-50 35% to the English national team uh, sorry to the premiership 15% to the championship and 50% to the community game um in that, he said that would be his just, just as a as a hard and fast rule 35, 15, 50, I think is what he so said. So the first thing which comes to mind is it's lovely to have money for your rugby club. It is. Mm-hmm. But it does breed complacency and it breeds a dependency culture. And I think we are really guilty of that in the UK. 
And oh, but when when he says when he says grassroots in the community game, that could be uh, development officers. That could be inf- yeah, infrastructure. That's the problem, right? So the development officers were great, but simultaneously, I mean, if you had a development officer now, Tim, if you had two of them and they ran all your sessions, there's a good chance that you wouldn't be involved and that your three fellow coaches wouldn't be involved. The reason your team works really well is because you've got th- four committed parents that really care, and you can't replace that with a development officer. And I know it sounds awful to the guys that did a really good job or. You know, they, was, they certainly tried the hardest. I'm not saying that, but it is a dependency culture. You but, need. But what I would want uh, for all the the under 16 team that I'm involved in is I would want a funnel from the schools where rugby's not played and the areas yeah. where, where and and the, the the talent that there is in areas that don't know about it. <coughs> and and it, we're in South Manchester. We're in it's inner city Manchester. There's tons of kids that I'd love to. Yeah, bet there is. Uh, but again, this but is the problem. We want that funnel. Yeah, but the problem with the funnel, <coughs> right? And I'm sorry, I'm going to go over back over all ground. But this is about the dishonesty of the RFU. So when I talk about the dishonesty, they won't tell the kids the truth and they won't bring in the full version of rugby to a school. So if you're a young man in a school who's never experienced rugby, they're not going to tell you how hard it is or how hard you need to hit or how hard you need to train. They'll give you some weak, sort of pale impression of rugby like hits or touch or limited contact and nobody likes it and nobody wants to play it and they go well i'll just rather play football thanks because it's very hard to get schools to play schools are exactly the same as you guys like most schools in the state sector where they take it really seriously are done because of incredibly committed teachers Mm. who just love the game and they want to have a school team there. Uh, you know, maybe they've got a history of playing there's, and that's part of the history of the school and that's important to that their identity. But I think you're, it's going to be a real stretch and a real, real um, effort to make schools that don't play all of a sudden play without that committed member of staff. Well, on the off-field um, stuff, just to just kind of wrap that up before we get into the actual rugby, um, it's not going to help when there was an article in the Times today. David <laughs> Walsh. David Walsh, I think it was. Wasn't yeah, it? David Walsh. Yeah. So I've not actually read. Th- I have read this, but because of my phone situation, I've not m- managed to get my notes. But we'll deal with David Walsh substantially in- another time. Yeah. But the, the the headline was thousands of children a year get head injuries on rugby field. What and, a clown! And he and he paints, which is the issue with this, paints a very very one sided issue. Yes, rugby's da- right. It's dangerous. Newsflash: rugby's dangerous. Uh, newsflash people get injured when they play rugby uh, but what is not mentioned in this article and never seems to get mentioned is the counterfactuals which is as as everything in life it's a trade-off yes you might get injured playing rugby but you will get so much positive incredible stuff that never gets mentioned in articles yeah, I, like I, this I, I don't know as you mentioned like how dangerous it is having disillusioned young men on your street as you mentioned, <laughs> you know how dangerous it is that uh, pent young... up pent up aggression yeah, having no you, outlet you mentioned that any of that? No, he hasn't because, well, I mean, there's lots of lots of things that I'd go into, but he just hasn't. Uh, kids sat in front of their computer all day, getting, just getting out in the fresh air, having fitness, uh, being in, in in groups of actual people, being in a in, in an inclusive rugby club place where they might speak to the alakadoos that are of a generation above them and people from all backgrounds. No, none of that mentioned. So well done, Sunday Times again, nice one. Well, he's just well, not a real journalist. That's what, that's what I'd say. A chief sports writer, not a journalist. Um, anyway. Uh, that's all the off-field stuff. Loads of good well, stuff. One, one yeah, other go, off-field, yeah, on, uh, which JB and I were touching on yesterday uh, on WhatsApp, uh, Northampton's accounts. Yes. Northampton Saints. So we mentioned briefly Leicester's last week, um, which was about 1.5 million loss. Northampton's 1.1 million loss um, before tax ended up being, I think it's 467k loss with the 
um, tax corrections rebate situation, um, which is down from uh, they made a very small profit the year before, but only because of really accountancy quirks. Wasn't it an insurance payment of some description? There was insurance, and they were still um, amortizing. The if that's the right term to use in this situation, perhaps not um, the CVC payment because oh. uh, they did it over five years. That's, okay. So um, that meant they had a, a small profit last year, small loss this year. Uh, sorry, one point one point one down to four hundred k loss this I, year. I don't know how it looks on a balance sheet because I know I know that I, I don't think you would get it counted as a profit, but you would have assets are on a balance sheet. When you look balance at would be on the balance sheet, yeah. yeah. So, but it wouldn't be in. It wouldn't, that, that, yeah. it wouldn't discount from this number. But what Northampton Saints have, if you go to Franklin's Gardens, or uh, Cinch, Franklin's Gardens from well, Cinch Franklin, Cinch, whatever yeah, you have to yeah. it these days, um, has it got a name? Is it? Yeah. Um, but what? But what you will see at St Franklin's Gardens is the indoor training centre right outside the stadium, which is what they use so the, some of their COVID money on. So they did say. So that or was CBC, in CBC. Yeah, money on, sorry. that was in their. They um, reference that. So obviously you have your balance sheet, which is your assets and liabilities, and then your profit and loss statement, which is exactly what you think it is. It's the profit and loss in the given period. Yeah. The balance sheet being a snapshot at the the end of that financial year. Um, cash in Northampton has gone down significantly in the year from, I think it was more than 6 million to about 2.5 million. Um, and they specifically reference the construction of that um, training facility, which evidently they have um, ploughed cash into, at least some of it, rather than expensive long-term loans, which that is a good thing, and that will pay dividends long-term. Both in terms of players, and I'm sure it'll be a resource that they can... Use for other things. monetize, yeah. Well, I think that's the interesting story on this one. So, season ticket holders went down, rugby revenues went down, not least because... um, They've got they had three fewer home games yep. last year. Yeah. Their um hospitality events, conferencing, the external rugby or the outside of rugby stuff actually grew by twenty one percent there outside of rugby revenues. Now that's a that is a good thing for the now obviously the rugby revenues going down is bad, but any club who is um astute enough and has the foresight to be able to increase their non-rugby revenues are doing the right thing because they might all be relying well, on non-rugby revenues a bit more going forward. Yeah, I mean, you say they're doing the right things, but then you're getting into what I call the gold, the gold ring dilemma. <laughs> well, <laughs> so the gold, the gold ring dilemma is when you build a load of tangential businesses to support your warm, non-profitable business and Colin Goldring show, shows up, he's going to go, yeah, I'll keep that, 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 and that. Love the car park, by the way. Hate the rugby club. Get rid of that. Yeah. Which and is this, only a, lo- a logical thing to do. Northampton Saints but this, yeah. do have a very nice car park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's giant, and it's and it's exactly where you can imagine loads of industrial units yeah. being. I mean, when you're erecting hotels and conferencing facilities and all the other things, just to keep 15 men on a field playing, a ball, um, pl- playing with a ball, You've got a problem. Your core product should be profitable, which is the rugby club. And I say that, I mean, yeah, it should be. And maybe the branding of the rugby club then draws everyone in around it because they need to stay at the hotels and so on and so forth. So maybe it's not quite as simple as I'm making out, but you you see the point I'm making. The the point is a good one because you're exactly right. You are relying on the owners of the club, whether it's... um, public or private, but you're relying on the owners of the club to prioritise rugby above all else. 
Yeah. I, if you've got the rugby club being loss making and all these other businesses being profit making, you have to love the rugby. <laughs> Otherwise, you just switch it off and then you make more money, which exactly. is exactly the gold ring scenario. Now, Wasps tried this as well. So their their purchase of the Rico Arena was, well, that was a profitable business in its own right. They were hoping that could be profitable enough to sustain not only the rugby, but also the enormous debt that they bought to... Uh, sorry, that they took on in order to buy the Rico yeah, Arena itself. no assets, did they? They had, like... Well, they had nothing. They took a £17 million bond. Enormous bond, and... And then, then spent it all on rugby players. Yeah, yeah. And but well, and, but was, they, they also bought the, the ground itself, which was profit-making, but not profit-making enough to yeah. sustain a £10 million rugby business losing money, well, and then the debt on buying a £30-odd million pound asset. Million quid does buy you a few good years. It Danny does. Cipriani, Charles Bielsau, <coughs> uh Curly Beal. I mean, these are just some of the names. Uh, I mean, might have only played one or two games with them. Vincent Cock. Vin- I don't think he played a single game. <laughs> Maybe one. Yeah, it- Villy LaRue. Villy LaRue. Good shot. Double World Cup winner, Villy LaRue. Although he's before the, before his Cal uh, Eastman rings. Oh, there's all sorts. There's all sorts of great players that went through there. But yeah, again, same sort of thing. The rugby was not profitable enough. Yeah, and trying to buy all these other things just doesn't make me make well, they're, they're, I mean, it's, we've mentioned it before, and it's one to keep an eye on. But they're they're in the early stages of talking to Seven Oaks Council about uh, relocate, relocate, having a, a wasp side in Kent. There, mm. how do you possibly support wasps? <laughs> like, how if you've really invested into wasps as your team, how do you then go? Oh, cool! I'll go, we're going to Kent. I mean, that's a really difficult place to get to from hmm, Coventry. You don't get to Coventry and think, I'm nearly in Kent. <laughs> Depends. Kent's pretty big as well. Depends where in Kent. I mean, Kent Seven, is a good place for Seven a club. There's no, there's no two ways about that. But well, What Kent probably needs, I think my geography's right on this one, what Kent probably needs is Blackheath to the club. Because I know they're not Kent, but they're South East London, right? Right. Yeah. So they're, down towards there. They're, well, yeah, they're, they're like Greenwich Way, aren't they? Well, maybe, maybe, it's should, not um, quite, maybe it's not quite south enough. Wasps yeah, it might no not be. ground and play at, well, just different venues every single week. They just book them out <laughs> in advance. Like one week it's Old Trafford. Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but Stadium. Games. You know, just, make, just make, make it into a feature. It isn't yeah. a bug. It's a feature. We have no home. And you don't know where you're going to it's be like playing. like a tour of the Wasps tour. Yeah. The, the fixture list gets announced and then they work out the... the and then locations. everyone gets excited because they're playing Wasps and this week we're going to be playing... Do you know what? They'd probably get better attendances than they having one would. fixed home. <laughs> well, yeah, because... <laughs> they went like, go to... like. Actually, all we need to do is get the people of Bournemouth to, to come to one game. One game a year. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And we're going to be playing Leicester Tigers. And, then and Leicester we'll Tigers to... like, well, this is awesome. We're going to take all of our friends down, down East to Ang- Seaside. East Anglia. And they can sort of dip there as much as anything. You can dip your toe in the water and see one, which one. Oh, yeah, I think it might be worth Worcester returning here. to East Anglia after, after last year's amazing game. <laughs> you know, look, nothing else is working. Give it a go. <laughs> but that, I mean, that whole... Um, Kind of the the positive side of the Northampton there that they're growing their yeah. alternative businesses, which for now is a positive yeah. because you've, they are very much invested in the rugby. That is one of the reasons why I'm I'm still nervous about potentially more teams going. Mm. And I know um, the Temple of Fun is a very well run place, but Sale don't own it. They're going to lose a lot of money this year. Their ability to generate additional income is enormously curtailed by the fact that they don't own their own ground. 
Yeah, it is a real problem. Um, just back to Northampton, I think they're probably the gold standard in terms of how you run a club. Uh, there's not many which are more, uh, more, more professionally run. Uh, so it's it's worrying that even they are not making. I have it. noticed to to fill the void with some of the fixtures that you mentioned that Premiership sides are without three home fixtures they don't have this year. You'll notice that a lot of clubs. I think I saw Exeter with the latest to do it. They're playing a Welsh team on the day. I mean, it's smart thinking. It's um, it goes contrary to the uh, player welfare, play less <laughs> thing. Let's just get more games. But I understand it because they've got money that they've got, and, and they are playing fewer games than they have they for are. the last yes. however many years, True. twenty years. And English clubs are probably not going to get that far in Europe, so you know there's, yeah. there's, that, there's that as well. Uh, but they're playing during the Six Nations on the day of the England Wales game. Uh, one of the Welsh sides, I forget which one. And so it'll be Exeter v whichever Welsh team it is, which is quite cool. Yeah, and and then at the as stadium, the, yeah, as the prelude to the stay game, and watching them be, and Welsh. then you can sell all those extra pints during the the main which game. Is a neat idea. That well, is a good idea. Yeah. Various things you can look at. So like, it depends how interwoven with the community you are. As we know, Exeter is a wonderful club, and it's very interwoven with the community. But they have weird games there, like um, like the Argyle Cup. You know what that is, right? So this is uh, Argyle Cup is the four branches of the Marines. It's like the training corps. I oh, can't remember. Nice. What, yeah, we can't remember what the uh, the branches of the Marines I, are. I'm interested. Like. And then they play each other, but they play each other every single day. So there's, there's no let off. So they play, um, I think three days running or four. I don't know. So the group stage, and then there's like a final. If I remember this correct, correctly. Now you can fill that with a good few thousand Marines, and if that's on the weekend of England Wales or whenever mm. you need to play it you can make that into a real feature and there are various games and tournaments around the country which you could get involved with you just need to work out how you do it what's important to who um, even like the university games are really really important you know uh, you're involved with university rugby now you've, you've played um, varsity rugby Phil and these yeah. games get a uh, real vast, attendance varsity not um Oxford Cambridge varsity slightly, no, no, slightly no. different. So I'm involved with the Manchester Metropolitan University. Their um, uh, we don't need to go into the ins and outs, but their their game against the University of Manchester, the, the big match, mm. was uh, was played behind closed doors last year. Well, I went to an MMU Uni of game. <coughs> These are the days when MMU used to get absolutely battered by mm. Uni of. So it might be ten years ago now, and it was at. Haywood Road. It mm. was wild. Absolutely wild. Flares going off, um, naked students everywhere. It was awesome. I, <laughs> I, it was really... Because don't get... I mean, it's a few few bits of shouty behaviour, a few bits of nakedness. One of my favourite favorite memories from a, a varsity game was... Um, it was Exeter University and, <clears throat> and Peter Phillips, grandson of... Yep. Uh, the Queen... Uh, R.I.P. Um, Princess Anne's eldest. Anyway, he was in. He was like a couple of years above, and he was in the stands. It was I can't remember who we were playing, but it was X to be someone. Anyway, the the uh, the opposition fans started a chant. Your dad works for my dad. <laughs> Your dad works for my dad. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the crowd suddenly, before you knew it, was singing. Your dad works for his gran. Your dad works for his gran. You're right. The university games are, are gr- amazing atmospheres. They're they really, are. really wild. I mean, I'm not sure if that's exactly the way no, we that's rescue not, rugby. That's not the way we rescue rugby or, or, or the way we want to portray or ourselves. Or drunken marines. 
Um, no. We've got to think of something which isn't Drunken Marines or, or Drunken Students. But there, there's, there are some games out there. Uh, let, me give you, let me give you some more credit. Uh, let me give some more credit to Northampton. And yes, it isn't within the player welfare thing, but they have really pushed hard in the autumn for invitational games. So they do a lot of um, barbarians versus you know world legends and that kind of thing. So yeah, they are very aware of it and they're a good club and hopefully they can turn this around. Extra Chiefs think that they'll break even next year. But a bad financial year this but year. a bad financial year this year. And Leicester Tigers have had an extra million quid pumped in by uh, Peter Tom, or I think it's Peter Tom, the owner. So... After the million quid that they got for Sinfield, um, Borthwick and Walters last year. Yeah. Uh, and Sale will lose more than Exeter, whatever that number might be in a few weeks' time. One to keep an eye on. Um, let's, let's talk some rugby then. Let's do that. Um, do you want to start... Have you seen the red card tonight? No, I was just looking... Uh, tonight? I was tonight. thinking uh, it was a game that I would have liked to have sat down and watched. Uh, Racing versus La Rochelle. Yeah. Racing versus La Rochelle, it is currently uh, 24-10 to Racing. Racing had Teddy Thomas, Teddy Thomas, red-carded after 20 minutes or so for a high tackle on uh, the La Rochelle. Teddy Thomas? I thought it was... N- uh, sorry, uh, Racing. Uh, sorry, La Rochelle have had... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Teddy Thomas plays for... Um, Playing against his a, old club. Yes, exactly. Formerly of uh, Racing. Um, now of La Rochelle, he has been red carded for a high tackle, a pretty wild high tackle um, on Lagarak, the Racing um, scrum half, uh, which is worth worth looking at. Yeah, Lagarak, who is the a petit general for uh, Racing, and he's kicking for them. The um, have you, have you, do you notice who uh, who's in the fifteen jersey for Racing? I, I have. So, yeah, uh, Henry Arundel playing fullback. Yeah, there you go. Any signs of Christian Wade? No. Not in the 23, I sadly. Think, I think, um, to be confirmed, I think we're going to be going to Paris for a Racing game at the end of January. Well, I'd like to. I, I think I, I'm going to Racing. It's, it's in my diary as well. Yes, okay. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't mind catching up with Christian Wade if he's not, if he's not involved on the pitch. Do you his number? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That, that'd be cool. Um so yeah, that isn't that is that is an interesting one. And and again, just jumping around the different leagues, I watched Toulouse v Claremont last night, which Toulouse were very very good. Mm. Um, I also watched last night. I think the biggest club game of the year so far in any league, Leinster v Munster. Mm. Okay. So I actually don't think this fixture has the heft that it should have. So it, oh, I, I th- there were fifty thousand people at the Aviva Stadium. Disagree. Last night. Okay, I I disagree with myself. That sounds great. And and the Leinster team. Well, they were both strong teams. The Leinster team is particularly strong. Yeah. yeah. So this is the problem. The Leinster team is almost entirely an island team. The it's incredible welfare team. policies almost always kick in for island versus island games. Well, they they often do around when they're the Christmas derbies because yeah. you've just come in. You're in between uh, Europe and then a month away from Six Nations. Now, I don't know the score, but there's no silverware on the line, so I'm guessing Leinster won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they won 21-16. to 16. Okay. Yeah. And it was awesome. I really, really, really enjoyed it. It was, like you say, I looked at the teams and thought, I, I, was, I, I was thinking the only Munster players I would take in a combined team would be Ty, Ty Byrne, Byrne in the pack yeah. and Jack Crowley as the fly half. Other than that, you would pick every single Leinsterman. Yes, I think, I think that's fair. 
but the Munster team is more than the sum of its parts. A hundred percent. They're a great team with amazing spirit. Listener and good bloke Graham Roundtree is doing good yes. things there. And I've not seen much of this game. I've seen the Craig Casey try from early on, which was superb. It was brilliant. With a break from Zebo and then the little interplay with was it Frisch Scannell. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And C- Craig Casey goes in, in the corner. It was it was great. Leinster kind of woke up and, and did their thing. But the, the the interesting part for this for me, um, the talking point was at the ten jersey with Johnny Sexton. He was being paraded at the ground before the game um, with the Leinster fans saying goodbye. Because um, is he going on the last time again? Was, the last time again. <laughs> the last time he was there wasn't because uh, he didn't play in the, any World Cup yeah. warm-up games. And his last game there was Leinster v La Rochelle <laughs> when he got in a bit of trouble. <laughs> it was, whoops. So uh, it, this was a, a whole lot uh, more of a happier affair. Uh, but the it's ten- weird to. I, I find it so strange that maybe the best player to play that day or that could have played that day just has decided to stop playing. I mean, why has he stopped playing? He's still world class, even though you he's know getting paid an absolute fortune by whatever financial company he. <laughs> but he'll, that'll be there next year, and the year after that, <clears throat> and the year after that, and it'll be there forever. He could go back to France. I mean, I'm not. Uh, you know, he probably does, does, doesn't want to. I was talking to a, a relatively senior, older international about this, and it, in the end, they just don't want to leave their family. But you could go to France and take your family with you. Mind mm-hmm. you, that is quite a big. Uh, he's 39, isn't he? He'll be 39 at the end of the season. He'll still do it. He's still good. He's still yeah. brilliant. He's yeah. still good. He's still... Oh, I totally agree. Well, it, Ross Byrne was wearing 10 for Leinster and went off really injured and he was obviously gutted because he, he fell down for Ireland, the pecking order behind Jack Crowley, who he was up against, mm. went off injured in a massive game and uh, Jack Crowley absolutely bossed it. And Kieran Frawley, who came on for Ross Byrne, Look really good as well. So I think Ross Byrne will be will be five p fifty p. Um, bit bit scared about um, losing his spot maybe for Leinster. I, I think he will be the main man. But they've got two others. Uh, his younger brother. Yeah, who's meant to be the, the boy? Who's meant to be the boy? And Sam Prendergast. Prendergast. Who's meant to be the boy? I who would stop talking talk for, for under twenties. Uh, yeah, stop looking in France for a few opportunities now. Mm. Yeah. So, but I do like Jack Crowley. So uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game. So that's that's. Interesting the um, the battle of the fly halves and the pecking order for fly halves because mm. um, maybe we could use that to start us off on Friday night mm. where last week we had two England fly halves up against each other in uh, Magic Marcus and Sir Owen and it was a com- comprehensive victory for yep. Owen Farrell this week uh, Marcus Smith got. Chance to go up against another England fly half. Yes. Although second choice England fly half at Northampton Saints. And Marcus Smith was again summarily outplayed by man of the match, George Furbank. Yeah, so George Furbank last week I thought had an awful game. A truly awful game. The closest to the action, he does look a bit better. I mean, he, he played well. Northampton played very well in general. If I was Quinns, I'd be super disappointed about this. Because I think Quinns, of those two teams, is the more substantial, more balanced team. I think they have the advantage over Northampton in almost every single area. I just think they're re- they're really quite good. But they're just fickle. And that beating against, Sar- uh, against Saracens has left them in a very fragile position. And, you know, they just... Well, what, what, what can you say? They got absolutely battered. Totally, I don't totally know that I agree with you in that... Um 
I think the the pack is pretty fearsome from Northampton. Well, where do I back- where do I look? Where, where where would I start my investigations here? And that would be second row and front row. And I do like the Quinns front row. I, I even like their Jack, second... Jack Walker against this, Matavesi's kind of... Uh, uh, Ethan Waller against... Um, uh, this, what's Lewis? Ethan Waller's not scrummaged well for years now. Davison against Finn Baxter. He's so this, this was... It's yeah. not Joe Marler. Yeah, it's not Joe Qu- Marler. He's Quinn's the put their yes. second choice front row and second row, really... I think Ernie Ernie Herbs or have you say his name is a truly monstrous man, a truly yeah. monstrous. But you wouldn't say he's in um, great shape. No, no. To put it mildly, uh, he could maybe lose. A, a Alec, Alex Coles and Chinyamunga are both trying to get on the England radar. I mean, they're promising. I mean, Northampton do a really good job of assembling promising young English players. They always seem to buy like the best young English players from. London Irish. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what everyone's done. That's what they've done. They've, when you look to who they've added to their squad, it's like, oh, Munger and Pearson. Pearson. But to yeah. be fair, they've always been good at this. So, yeah. you know, whether it be when they uh, added Miles to the squad or you know, Christian Day or Foden, Luther Burrell, they're always good at shopping for young English talent. They've, they've done this for years and they've done it very, very well. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Um, um, I th- and I think- it's not... Um, the, their opposition had a couple of uh, talented London Irish players in um, Cunningham Ch- South, Chandler Cunningham yeah. South, and Lovejoy uh, Chawatama, who and, both came off the bench. And Will Joseph. And Will, and Joseph, Will Joseph, yeah, started at 13, yeah, didn't was he? Was there four London Irish players <laughs> involved in this game? Because you, More because you've got Pearson. Least, yeah. yeah. Pearson near five. Yeah. Crikey. They assembled some team, didn't they? If they, they kept it together. That's the story of London Irish forever, though, isn't it? Which is, if only they kept, <laughs> kept it together. Uh, well, it will be now they've disbanded. Yeah. Uh, of particular signif- significance um, was, I was interested to see Caden Murley and Tommy Freeman. Who yeah. weren't really the wingers to write home about. Oh, Murley, well, well, no, well, and well, Freeman, Freeman played 13. 13 is what's interesting yeah. there. Yeah. Because Slight Home was was the boy. Murley scored, was it the second or first try? So they went First to, try early on, try yeah. Uh, Northampton deserve a lot of credit for the way that they play. I, th- I think that they have uh, a very n- a nice, fluid way of doing things. I'm still not convinced that they're going to win anything. I'm still not convinced. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm the same. They, they, they can win games like this where they match up nicely against Quinns, particularly where Quinns rest um, a chunk of their tight five. They matched up pretty well. Um, I don't think that they're not going to win. Northampton aren't going to win anything. They they just I, I, sorry to sound like a broken record. Everyone needs this, but they just need a massive second row and another <laughs> massive front row. They are like Gloucester every single other year for the last decade. <laughs> Two more players away, but, but actually the rest of them, the rest of that team is very complete. I, I do love how it all sort of clicks together, mm. and they do win occasionally. To be fair, <laughs> and they do win at the right times of year, right at the start, right, right at the, the end, end, and they get in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, I think they'll get in the playoffs. I think they're good enough for that, but I don't think they're going to win anything. Uh, at the expense of who? Extra, extra, and Bath maybe. Well, I've got loads of things to say about extra. But, but Sale and Saracens are both looking very good. Yeah, Sale and Saracens are definitely going to be in there. I, I think Leicester will get up there. Mm. I really do. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and then it's one of the others, and maybe Bath, maybe Quinns. Everyone's so saying so. I mean, the, the low level of the salary cap, meaning everyone spends up to it. With the new very, very um, fearsome enforcement mechanisms, which means you do not want to get caught because you know what happens if you do get caught. Yeah. It just 
all these teams look, broadly speaking, the same. They play differently, but in terms of their strength, they look the same. Except, uh, except for those top three. Or top two. Well, the, the top two plus Leicester. I am, I am yeah. counting Leicester in that. So I think the, the starting Quinns team, despite what happens to them against Saracens, is superb. <coughs> I think, like I was saying about Northampton, I think the starting team is pretty good. Not amazing, pretty good. But all the starting teams are really good. So you just have to be lucky on the day. If you get your starting team out, there's a good chance that you'll win. With, with yeah. the exception of Newcastle. Well, and you are going to see... I made this point last week or the week before. Because the squads... They do have talent, obviously, but they're also thinner than they were. Really thin. Like, noticeably thinner than they were. I am really quite then enjoying... You're going you're gonna to get these um, kind of one-sided matchups. So yeah. you're going to get a team... Putting it, they want a big home following. They want to put in a show for the crowd. Uh, they want to get the fans in, so they'll put a really strong team at home. And then you get a team who's had two tough weeks. They want to rest for a week, and they'll put in a really weak team away. So you will get these these kind of matchups. Um, the key question is who can do it, either in Europe, which is probably no one, or towards the end of the season in the final. Um, two rounds three games of the season that's where it counts and there it's it's hard to look beyond um sale saracens and leicester in in my mind for those yeah. i think the i think the two finalists will be made up from those three teams mm, yeah you're probably right oh you're right yeah you're probably right and maybe no, maybe Qu- maybe quins can do it i think right. quins are right up there i really think they are when, when everyone's back mm. they're gonna be all right we're gonna be fine i'm trying to think who else is good they're all they're Bath, all good. Bath, Bath got, no, Bath, 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 are all in that bun fight together. Exeter, I think, will probably fade they over will. the course of a whole season. Exeter will. They're, they're, they're too well. young. Yeah. Right, so I've got many thoughts on Exeter. I've got many, many thoughts, if, if you want to hear them. Well, they're Always. a workman-like win today. Henry Slade, again, the, the main man in that team. He was awful. <laughs> no, as in just, like, the leadership, though. He, he, yeah, yeah. He's, like, the, he's the, the lone... Yes. Famous person, exactly. <laughs> and um, that that game today, I wouldn't go as far as to say awful. He was dreadful today. He was not. He's missing kicks. He knocked the ball on when he fell over. Ev- everyone, not no, yeah. none of those less, uh, less Newcastle, none of those Exeter players could hold on to the. Yeah, Newcastle's great for bringing the overall standard of every player down. But <laughs> right, just again, let me just read the back line, except for Henry Slade, just to emphasize the point. Cairns, Skinner, Skinner's Hawkins. Great. Hawkins great. Oh, they're, they're all great. Faye, Wabosu, uh, Hammersley, Wyatt. Hammersley was class. And yeah, Wyatt's no, been really good. They're, they're great, but these are kids. Yeah. yeah. So let me just tell you where I am with Exeter, right? So, uh, did you hear Rob Baxter talking at the end of the game? No. Uh, I did, yeah. I just loved it. I absolutely yeah, loved yeah. what he had to say. And we'll come to him in a second. I was watching, I was watching them play, and they have obviously stripped things down to the very bare minimum. I was... Uh, you know, so... They've got. They are playing like they're world class players, with players who are definitely not world class. What do I mean by that? I mean that they are just trying to dominate the game line as as if they are La Rochelle. So you see these boys running into contact as quickly. The, the way they speed up the ball is just to run into contact contact as quickly as possible. The Marlin is taking a ton of ball. Um, you see Roots doing it. You see the, the new lad who's the... The number eight, Davis. Davis, Tuima, Tuima Jenkins. is one I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Like they, 
They're playing like they're La Rochelle, but they're not La Rochelle. And my prediction is we are going to see one of the all-time great losses when Exeter go to France. Because <laughs> if they attempt this sort of rugby against the big boys, they are going to get smashed to pieces. Now, you can do it against uh, Newcastle, no problem. But against well, uh, yeah, not it wasn't no act- problem. It was it was tough for them in this game <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> against the Newcastle yeah, well, kids. Fair, fair. Well, uh, Saturday, December the ninth, uh, two p.m. kickoff. Who, who have they got? Toulon. Oh well, Exeter. we're going to find out because it's not going to go well for Exeter. I can tell you right now. The- and then um, the following week, Sunday, December the seventeenth, Exeter host Munster. Brilliant. Mm. Those are going to be some of the. I'm going to put my neck on the line right now and say those are going to be two of the biggest losses in the club's history in Europe. Oh, I've just looked. Uh, Sunday, January 21st, Bayonne playing Exeter. Oh, there you go. Boys. I might get Is on. it a home game can for I you to, to the club? Can I get on their plane, their <laughs> charter plane? Well, <laughs> I, I think we're fairly popular in Exeter hey. at the moment. Now would be the time to ask Tim. Uh, Exeter, Steve, Steve, come on, hook me up, hook me up. Well, he could do if he still worked there. Huh? He's gone. Steve has gone. Steve, media Steve. Yeah, media Steve has gone. So that, that wasn't acrimonious, was it? Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Good. Uh, so um, yeah, great guy actually. I, he's I, like I really... one of the best. In fact, I, I would go, now he's now he's departed his role, and I don't know the circumstances of departing his role. Hopefully, he's gone on to something great. Um, he has, yeah. The 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 best comms guy in the Premiership. I got, really enjoyed like, talking to, to him. the point. I can I can say this. I can I can speak really openly now. Steve would tell me the team, tell us the team days in advance because there was just total trust mm. that total trust that weren't going to weren't going to spill that, that hang that on anywhere. what about your fancy rugby team Tim <laughs> well 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 I, I won two See, championships that's all that matters so it looks like uh, everything's coming home to roost now but you could you could call him and ask any question about any player at any time he'll give you a totally honest answer knowing that you're never going to spill the beans on that in total integrity and and that made it so good to work and and as a result the, I think the content you get one of the reasons that I mean Rob Baxter's Rob Baxter as you said he, he speaks brilliantly but you can prepare, you can have a real think about what question to ask him because they've, they're open books they, yeah. they, they tell you everything and you can go that if we can replicate that on the telly that will give the people watching a great insight you know so I'm so glad you mentioned this so one I think they're going to be in for two almighty hidings when they play in Europe uh, that's not criticism that's just where they're as a team but you can see what they're trying to do and I like it and I know the science behind it so Rob Baxter gets up and talks to uh, Craig Doyle um, I've got to say the two the whole BT Sport thing today was brilliant so Craig Doyle was ace and they had Stuart Hogg He's been doing. He's done every Sunday, hasn't he? Yeah, I think, and because it's extra as well. Yeah, he's added and the last three Sundays. Sundays have all been extra. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course they have. Yeah, and then Tom May, who played in Newcastle, yeah. and it makes a huge, huge difference. And the quality of questioning, and the quality of answer from Baxter was great. So it's like all we wanted to do is control the middle third of the field, and we did that. And I, because of that, yeah, I loved it. I, so I really like that as well because so the, the question that was asked was. We'll put, Put some stats up on the screen. These are key match stats. Love so, that, yeah. like turnovers, meters made, uh, tackles missed, that kind of stuff. Um, can you just talk us through like where are you happy with, where you're not happy with? And Baxter did not answer that question. He answered the question that he wanted, but it gave a much better insight, which was th- those stats there. We'll digest them in the week. We'll have a look at them. We're not talking about them now. All we said was before the game and at halftime, we want to control the middle third. We want to stop them doing their thing and do our thing in that 
um, period of the game and we did that. I'm delighted with the boys. We're a young team. We can only kind of take one thing at a time. Yeah, it, it, was f- f- it was brilliant to well, get that kind of insight. And brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So like, people awesome. about, um entries into the 22. And that, you know, it's obvious, isn't it? It's like, you want to score goals, you want to enter... The, you know. But like, where is the battle for that one? And obviously it's a middle third, but it's so nice to hear a coach talking about middle third, how we're going to strip down the game You plan. just reminded me of something which used to get said loads and you never hear it anymore, treating the 22 like your try line. Oh. Which is this, exactly the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Extra did not... Extra reminded me a lot of um, Leicester a few years ago. Getting into the 22, but not necessarily scoring enough points. And they're very rudimentary with ball in hand. They, they just hammer forward. And, you know, as um, some very strong MMA competitors say, strength is a skill. You know, it is a skill. You're going to have to have some very big, very aggressive players. Now, I think they've got the raw ingredients, like the right size, the right type of player, but they're all young and proven and on a budget. Mm. You don't have Will Skelton. You don't have, you know, Dave Viewers. You don't have whoever it may be. So they've sort of got the right raw ingredients. If they can mature this group together to play that way in the long term, it's going to be very exciting. But how do you keep them around for that Mm. long? Because as soon as they become the players that Exeter want them to, playing the game plan that they want them to, guess who wants them? Everybody else in the world, and and having Welsh boys in that squad, yeah, like uh, Tashunza, who's Jenkins, injured, like Shunza. Jenkins, like Hawkins, potentially Faye Waboso. Yeah, uh, could he be He's Welsh? Welsh, He's Welsh. Welsh. Yeah. Okay. kind of Welsh, Welsh. Yeah, yeah. The only thing he went to Welsh school. Uh, he might have gone to a Welsh school. He definitely went to no, no. I think he went to uh, he went to Cardiff Met to play rugby, uh. and then I think, and then I think he was was he at Wasps. And they went under, or was he? Sign, sign, his, sign his first pro, uh, professional deal with hometown club Cardiff oh, back in go. December 21. Oh, there you go. There you so, go. So I, th- I think he might have been studying. He, was, he was also studied at Bristol's Clifton College. Hmm. Oh, did he? Uh, grew up in Landaf. There so. you go. So very much Welsh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely Welsh. So what was I saying about um, Exeter then? Uh, they've got these young guys that everyone will want them. Yeah, and they'll just go. They'll yeah. just go because they'll be they're exactly the sort of players that will do well in France. Yeah. Uh, you know, big, well, aggressive. And, and dovetailing that with something we were talking about earlier, the sustainability of rugby, something we said a lot, a lot of us we don't need to go into, but there's talk about Henry Arundel having a hybrid contract next year so that he is able to stay in France and still play for England. Um, bearing in mind these clubs are losing money, just allow it. I mean, yes. Let it happen. I want it to happen, right? I just... It fills me with resentment the amount of money that lads have lost because of... Oh, you know, over the years where they haven't been allowed to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I, it really angers me because, you know, it is a once... You have one shot at your big contract, really. You know, you go academy, first-team squad, you might get another first-team contract, you get your one big contract, and if you're not making England money at that time... <sighs> Mm. career's over career's over because after that big contract you fall off a cliff so I just hate I hate rugby how it's ran and how players are treated in terms of where they can play and as if people own their own their labour Welsh players have had it much worse than English players so yeah (laughs) they have there's no two ways about that Um, you know Ollie Ollie not Ollie that's the one I went to school with Um, Hawkins in um, yeah 
in Exeter. Well, he signed that. He signed that contract with Exeter before he was a Welsh international. So well, yeah, so, so he says. Just, but that, no, we'll just make an arbitrary decision. Sorry, yeah. mate, you can't play. I know. So I hope I he does great. It's I hope he does great things in the future. Hopefully in France. Joe Hawkins. Joe Hawkins. I was going to say Rob Hawkins, but he was the hooker, hooker. former Exeter and Bath hooker. Um, Tigers Newcastle. No, he, he was Bath first. Definitely Bath first. Bath Newcastle. Mark my words, it was Bath. Bath. Leicester Tigers. Because he, he was in the under twenty ones team with my brother. Newcastle. Uh, Bristol. According to Wikipedia, which he's played, he's played for. Like he's got Andy Good levels of clubs. Yeah, <laughs> he's played for Bristol Newcastle. Do you say Newcastle? So he's two thousand three to two thousand ten. Bath. Ten to fourteen Tigers. Fourteen to sixteen Falcons, and then sixteen. Uh, onwards, although um, according to this, he's still at Bristol, but he is now also forty, so I don't think he oh, is still yeah, at uh, Bristol. Fine. So four. I was getting confused. I was mixing him up then with Neil Clark, thinking he'd been extra, but that was Neil mm. Clark. Right. Anyway, um, that game. So yeah. that game in the um, Friday night game, the Saints Quins game, it was kind of quite predictable. Early try from Murley, early try from Slight Home, and then you're on to this try fest. Five tries in the first half, five tries in the second half, ten tries overall, yep. lots of tries. In that Newcastle game, three tries, a try after 39 seconds, three tries in the first ten minutes, and then nothing until the 65th minute where Exeter scored the two tries to to take the game away from Newcastle. But they teased us with a, a try fest, and it just never materialised. <laughs> Yes. It just kind of fell apart. Well, it is in the northeast. It, it, it was. I'm sure it was very, very cold. It did look cold. It, it did look absolutely in, brutal. In the the stand, the standing stand behind the try line, um, left-hand try line as, as the camera's panning across the pitch, there was basically no one there. It looked like an Arctic wilderness. Say, what was the attendance? Uh, I've not seen it. Well, they not released big. a tweet from Newcastle, I think, this week, saying, congratulations, 60% full which would be great, but then it followed up with one particular stand. So one of the stands was 60%. <coughs> it was not that one at the end. No, it was not. Mm. Um, yeah. New- Newcastle, I, I feel like they're not a totally lost cause, but they've got to keep this team, the young guys together, the guys with experience. But the problem is they're not going to keep the guys, anyone with experience is going to be, <laughs> is going to be leaving there. And they should be going down at the end of the season if they finish bottom, but that which... But there's no relegation, or is there relegation? No, no, there's not. Oh, well then, who cares? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're already out of playoff contention. Because there is a, pl- there is a pl- relegation playoff that kicks in at some point, isn't there? One day. Uh, next year, I think. Is that next year? Yeah. But, uh, Apparently. It's so o- they say, I believe it when I actually see it. But it's also only eligible if the team getting... Uh, who win the championship um, ha- meet the eligible eligibility criteria, mm. including having a ten thousand seater stadium? Yeah, which maybe one currently does. It's allowed to be five thousand as long as they have plans for the, yeah, other, plans. For the other five. Um, just dovetailing from Exeter, uh, I think it's appropriate to just glance across the channel to Pow, who are top, top of the top 14 and absolutely Joe Simmons Joe Simmons and Dan po Robson absolutely smashed yeah Dan Robson and Joe well, Simmons was it Stade Francais smashed Stade Francais Joe Marchant Stade Francais Joe Marchant Stade Francais 30 points to 6 so do you think they'd have done better if England had taken Robson and Simmons to walk up <laughs> uh, well neither of them would play 13 like Joe Marchant but maybe 
and they're they're both playing behind a very well. I'm just having a look at the Po pack, but they must be playing behind a good pack. But uh, I mean, I don't recognise any really any, many of the names. Luke, just Luke White, massive Kiwi oh, number eight. Luke White, Nock, and but uh, Papidza, the Georgian prop. But how do you know Papidza's Georgian? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah. I don't really, I don't recognise any of them. But it was a beatdown. Um, mm, I'm just looking at the the top fourteen table. Uh, the mighty Bayonne are in uh, just above the relegation spots. That's a bit nerve wracking. So a La Rochelle though. What? They, they yeah. down well, I've, I've not committed to support them yet. <laughs> They'll let's be alright. Let's just see how this goes. And my beloved Bordeaux. I was asked so right seventh. So, so let's just um, we we got an email actually. It's contactdavechasers at gmail We've got on, loads of emails got, this week. Yeah, we've got loads of emails on that. Um, one of one of them was so we've talked about this. So Phil's top fourteen uh, well URC team is Ulster, and and that was something we did on the podcast right in the early days. Yeah. JB's your beloved Benetton. I guess it is. I have. Yeah, I suppose it is. It is. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is. It is. It is. I do not have a URC team. And that was someone was asking, what's your URC team team? I don't have one. And if we're filling in these gaps, maybe I, pick, maybe pick, I should. Pick, pick, pick the dragons, go on. They. <laughs> um, top 14, I've gone with my beloved Bayon. Mm. Phil's with Bordeaux. And JB is penciled in La Rochelle. No, well, oh, Racing, I just can't see. It's easy. To, I, I don't know yet. The answer is I really don't know. I, I, I want to follow... Uh, Toulouse isn't taken yet, and I can get there easily. And I feel that that is... You know, glory hunting, but yeah, why not? I, th- I go, feel go Toulouse to try, might be the to... only club big enough, big enough for me. Because if I start supporting La Rochelle, it's going to be well, all about me and not about La Rochelle. You have <laughs> a Stade Francais jersey. Yeah, do you know? I used to love Stade Francais. Why not? I, why not resurrect your Stade Francais that's a, love? That's a, I don't know, if you already used to love them, I, I why bought, not love them again? Uh, that was my first. Do you know an old flame. Can I just tell you how hard this kit was to buy back in so the day? So I'm looking at JB pointing to the uh, a bright. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Pink. Uh, it's like a Barbie pink Stade Francais yeah, jersey with this blue the, lightning bolts. This was the first ever Stade Francais pink kit. So when it first happened a decade ago, um, more than a decade, more ago. than a decade ago, this was the one. That's so, probably nearly twenty years old. Though. Adidas was the. Yeah, do you know what? Kit. I know where I was when I bought it. I was working in Beardmore and Co. Independent Financial Advisors. <laughs> I was um, <laughs> where I now currently work. So gone full circle. So yeah, you're right. I'd have been. How old would I have been? I'd been 19 or 20 when I bought that. Yeah, so, yeah. so it is 20 years Christ. old. Yes. Uh, so to buy it, uh, you it, there's no such thing as Google Google tra- Translate. So you had to sort of work your way around the Stade Francais website. And also, at the time, 
I was been told off by my dad quite a lot for not working very hard. <laughs> and it was um, one of those websites which had automatic music play as soon as you landed landed on it. So there, there's no disguising. Accor- that, accordion music, I imagine. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, but I remember the, the, the Or the David Guetta. Was, yeah. <laughs> like the music would strike up. And then I finally bought it, and it took something like six weeks to arrive. But when it did arrive, my word, look at it. Look at it. Isn't it beautiful? It is a beautiful kit. And you could, I mean, you could dismount that shirt and wear it to a Stade Francais game. It looked like a proper re- yeah, retro could. But the thing is now, they're just too popular. So then Stade everyone, Francais are? Yeah, are everyone, started, everyone started wearing the pink shirts, Tim. You don't remember this because you weren't as into it as I was. So I've got that one. I've got the one which is done by um, one of the, which famous designer did two years later with all the little faces on. Had that. There's one which is made out of something which looks like denim, but it wasn't. It was like a, rib- a ribby shirt to look like denim. And then everybody started copying it. So the novelty of Stade Francais rapidly wore off. However, however, I don't know if you noticed the, the kit they played in this weekend or last weekend. It was very much the old blue and red bolts. I love it. Well, I think you wouldn't be... Uh, you'd be... It, it's a sexy team to follow. They are cool. But... It's also an underdog because they're they're the like they're the neighbours to the the much fancy racing, and you'd be supporting the team well, trying well, to take down Stuart Lancaster's racing. Now that is that is quite like, and doing it the right way, doing it the right way way with flair and pomposity and all that kind of stuff. Um, don't don't forget they have won the top fourteen within I'm going to say seven years ago with Parisi, with Parisi. Jo- Jonathan Dante burst onto the scene. Um, I'm not sure who else was was in that team, but they weren't. They've not always been terrible. No, no, no. Of far late, from it. Of late, they were terrible before that, though. I've found so. I was searching for when um, Stade Francais first went to pink kits, and I found one of the most incredible articles I've ever read uh, <laughs> on the switch to pink from the Irish Independent. And I'm going to I'm actually going to read a section yes, of this please verbatim. Do. Because this is remarkable. So this was published uh, Wednesday, 26th of October, 2005. That was um, the season when Stade Francais first switched to pink. So here we go. A top psychologist has claimed that Stade Francais' new pink playing shirts, which shocked rugby viewers throughout the world this weekend, are an obvious cry for help, in quotation marks. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Richard Williams, wow. a top psychologist based in London, has claimed the shocking shirts are, are an outward manifestation of inner troubles. Direct quote from Mr. Williams. Goodness me. Just look at the amount of violence that has occurred both on and off the field in French rugby this season. This violence, this violence is a representation of other insecurities felt by the rugby men of France. Uh, <laughs> he said. He goes on to say, Stade Francais pink shirt, whilst easy to laugh at, is clearly not something a normal, healthy club would wear. What? This is this is a cry for help and needs to be addressed urgently. By who? I implore the IR the wow. IRB to act quickly. What? That it's, is it wild. Is, it is highly disturbing for a fan to walk into the stadium. This is in quotations from Dr. Richard Williams. I'm just checking. This, was, this is not uh, 1st of April. Union, no. This is not the Union. This is the Irish Independent. 
It is highly disturbing for a fan to walk into a stadium and find their team wearing such outfits. It is bound to have a knock-on effect. This is totally one of the most disturbing things about that whole... (laughs) Dr Richard Williams, this is 20 years ago, is no doubt sat at home right now on his state-funded pension and... Somebody, most likely the Irish taxpayer, has funded his career. He's based in London. Top psychologist oh, no. based in London. Our taxes. Our hardened taxes. I mean, I'm okay with Irish taxes being... I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm more okay with it. And he's going you know, The amount of money we waste on absolute morons. I mean, to even come up with these ideas in of themselves, it makes you unhinged. <laughs> a, a cry for help. This... I'm reading this. This has to be a joke. Was like, it published? It, it, it was not April first. It was twenty sixth of October two thousand five. It's we've come a long way. We, I we? feel we have. Like I'm reading. So some of these like, to the people, guys. Well, things are worse than ever. <laughs> these issues are worse than ever. Like just go back 16, uh, uh, 17, 18 years and, and read an article. My word. The worst thing in the world is that this guy is university university educated. He probably is regulated by a professional body. He's probably receiving a whole career worth of taxpayer money. And he's probably retired now on the taxpayer. And this is the... And when, this, when this is written, someone should pick this up and go, hang on a minute, are we paying this guy? Is this guy in actual a, a position of power and, and or authority? He needs to be removed immediately. This... Immediately. I, I am... God knows. This might actually be a uh, parody article reading some of these quotes or... The world was very different at the time. Well, it is so, independent. According to this, um, Juan Martin Hernandez, the fullback, uh, stats fullback for the game, the quote from after the game was, I did not want to be seen in public like this. This is not rugby. <laughs> no, oh, it mu- know, this it must, must be. be. It, and the, no, do you know, actually. Because the Irish independent is, is uh, notoriously clickbait. How on hand? I mean, no, this no, was 2005, this, this, though. Yeah. Clickbait didn't exist then. Yeah, clickbait was so it the wasn't on your... Maybe it was on your, your bloody... What's the name of the uh, person who wrote it? Uh, it's a Tony Ward. Ward. This is Touchlines Compiled by Tony, Tony Ward. Tony Ward. So it might be parody. Irish. Independent. No, it's come up on the search it automatically. Tony Ward, journalist. Oh, my God. He's, a, he's a, for Independent, the Irish Independent and the Sunday Independent. Tony Ward, journalist. His latest his latest article three hours ago. Leinster need need more accuracy to win Europe. Is it a cry for help? And in Octo- I would believe that from Leinster. Uh, last <laughs> last month he wrote an article for the Irish Independent. I hate the D four slur towards rugby. The what? I don't know what that means. D four. The D four. D letter D number four. I don't. I don't. don't let's not go in there. I yeah, don't know what yeah. that is. But um, D four. But the but the point being that he is a. Rug- rugby. If it's the same guy, he's a legit. Pres- he's a legit well, rugby journalist. Him, he's only quoting the expert. Yeah, if yeah, that is, and if that is what Juan Martin Hernandez said. No, do you know on that one? I'm. I think that is serious. I'm sure there was actual eruptions about this. Was it Max Cazzini that you saw in the team? Uh, See, you even know old the, owners. The owner. Uh, certainly at one point, relatively recently, was Doctor Peter Hans Wild. No, just look at, see if it's Max Gazzini. Max Gazzini was a gay fella. And I think he, ah, what did he do? It's not comic books because that's too long. Yeah, that was too long. Maybe advertising. I think he was in advertising. So he bought in all the pink. He used to spray perfume in the stands and whatnot. Mm. And I'm, 
this, and I'm sure their MD was Richard Paul Jones. So president, yeah, Max Cassini, French entrepreneur, uh, and and until. June 2011, president of the Stade Francais Rugby Union Club. That's the one. Um, how did he make his money? Advertising? Uh, businessman, career. Uh, Advertising in my mind, but. Um, links to Bernard Lepore. Oh, God. <laughs> this Here is we right go. up your street, No wonder he's got so much money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it doesn't really say from this article. Oh, I like it. Shady. Lots of cash. Shady. Yeah. Yeah, when you see Bernard Laporte's name in there. I wonder if Stade Francais was very much like um, the wrestlers were to um, the Dupont well, family and Foxcatcher. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to finish up making this plea for, uh, like this pitch for you. Oh, to sorry, yeah, okay. Stade, Stade Francais. Stade Francais. Oh, th- this is what he wanted me to do anyway. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So, so the reason why you should pick <laughs> Stade Francais, a few reasons. They are owned by, as Phil just touched on, Hans Peter Wild. Okay. He's a pretty cool character. Uh, of Orangina Fortune. Correct. Or is it, or is it Caprison? Or is it, is it both? Ooh, good question. So that is a good question. I think it might be Caprison, actually. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, Stade Francais, were, they fought for the original... Um, what was it? What's the, what's the tournament called? What's the shit? Brenner? Brenner? What's, it, what's the shield they play for in the top 14 again? The Brenner? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Brenner's. Okay. They, they, fought, they, they played the, the original game for the Brenner's against... Toulouse, they've been. They were founded in 1883, so they are 140 years old this year. Crikey, that's so they're good. They're one of the oldest clubs in France. They fought for the original. They've won 14 titles over the years. But like you say, you you aren't just going to the automatic um, champs. Um, famous former players: Matthew Bastereau, um Who else? Uh, let's have a look. Lionel Boxis. Yes. So that Christophe Dominici. Oh yes. What a player. Uh, uh, Fabian Galtier played for Stade Francais. Yeah, did. And I'm just just trying to find other players that you would have. uh, Mark Lievremont played. Lau Mappi played for them for a year or so. Lau Mappi did. Although Um, the very famous prop uh, Peter De Villiers played there. Olivier Rouma. Yes, South, South African, African French Dimitri, Dimitri Zarzewski Did Pascal David pa- Skrella Rabba Slimani Yeah they've had loads Sylvain Mar- Martinet They had some great players Oh yeah yeah They were, they were an absolute powerhouse Back in the day Gus Pichot Juan oh, yeah, Martin Yeah he went there straight said. after Bristol Yeah um, um, uh, Morgan James Haskell No no more importantly <laughs> um, Morgan Williams Morgan Canadian, Canadian, yeah. Morgan Williams, the Canadian scrum, scrum yeah. off, played there. Paul Saki, Rich Paul Jones, as oh, you yeah. mentioned. Uh, Rich Paul Jones was the last English amateur to play in the professional era. Great number eight, Simon Taylor. Yes, he was a superb number eight. Brian Lima, the chiropractor. Oh, Felipe Contepomi, Juan Martin Hernandez, Rodrigo Roncero. England sevens international Ollie Phillips. Yeah, he was uh, he was top try scorer there. I think at one point. Yeah. George George Smith. Will Genia, Digby Uwani. Yeah, that, those weren't good. good those were, were not good years. And Radiki you can Samo. get there direct from Manchester anytime you want. So is Stade Francais your top fourteen side? I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, oh I'm, I'm, man, I you still, hate you hate Paris. I don't like Paris. I've got to say, I like Paris. It was yeah, I, like I didn't it. like Paris. I didn't like Marseille. What didn't you like? Oh, you're so wrong about Marseille. I think you're wrong about Paris. I think you're wrong about France in general. I love France. Massive, what bits massive. do you love? What, what parts of France do you love? <laughs> not the south, not I the love north. The south coast. 
Nice. But not Marseille. Um, You've got to give Marseille Not Marseille. Yeah, we do. Maybe. We, we need to be fair to Marseille and give it another go in I've, I've, summer I've, season. If, yeah, we, we were there when it was pissing with rain. And if we, there's this one <laughs> there's this one little park called Le Corps Julien, and it's where all the cool kids go at night. Huh? It's very, it's a very, well, all in very parts, When place. I've been there, it's been cold and wet and hostile and rat-infested. Rat <laughs> that is one of the biggest memories. Yeah. Just the, the sh- size and sheer number of rats. Yeah, it's incredible, actually. They were enormous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Paris is not a particularly attractive city. Two oh, no. Beautiful! Paris, oh, some parts of Paris are amazing. I tell you what... Other parts do. of Paris are a bit terrifying. I went to... Um, they've got a museum there. And it's basically full of animal skeletons. And it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Like an old school museum. Like there were there was no links to slavery in it. There was there was it was just cases of bones. And it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll um we'll we'll have a look and see where we're up to. Mm, no commitment right. yet. Right, okay, fine. Um on we go then. Any more any other games that people particularly enjoyed? Um, Bath versus Bath versus Salem was nice. Yeah. And before you turn your nose up, Tim Cocker, uh, one got, one try is a bit too many for you, Tim. It, uh, yes, JB. exactly. Look, this is almost twice as good as some of the uh, six three victories. <laughs> so I don't know what, what, what you're yeah, complaining fair, about. Fair, I worked on uh, Bath three sale six Fafter Clerk Man of the Match one of my favourite ever games um, in fact some of my favourite ever games have, have been this uh, when they're the absolute scrum fest down in, in Bath which sale uh, sale prevailed sale have um, pretty much had the upper hand over Bath now for a, a few years and this was no different and I like the idea of the two contrasting styles with Finn Russell trying to guide uh, Bath with miss passes. So I imagine this game, before the game, was going to go something like this. Bath were going to pretend to be really hard, show up at sale, get absolutely battered, and Finn Russell was going to try and miss pass his way out of trouble. And that's kind of what happened. And in the end, George Ford knocked over two pen- uh, penalties at the end. Well, do you know what, game over. Do you know what Bath have done? Which it's just when you read the names on the team sheet for the Bath pack Detoy, Yonker, Van Veltzer, Kurt Seer, Cloherty. Mm. It's like, mm, mm. Why I spot a theme. Is, is there a th- <laughs> What's the name of the um, head coach of Bath as well? Mm, let me check. Uh, Van Graan, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, they are... Look, I, you've got to give Bath credit because they were... Gen- what, three years have been horrific. And now, are they to- are they second still or have they dropped down? I think they're th- third, fourth. Third or fourth. Yeah, fourth. Yeah, it's, um, next as well. it's a vast improvement. Is a vast improvement. Mm. So, yeah, I think they'll be fine. Uh, I love the fact that Sale absolutely dispatched them, though. And, um, <laughs> yeah. That, by, that, that, by two points in the last minute. Yeah, Sale need a bit more respect. I mean, like, we shake our head that, you know, oh, it's only 12 or 11. 11 9. 11 9. But, you know, it's oh, a no. good result. It's a, good, it's, it's a good result. It's a great, for sale. It's a great habit yeah. to be having in the results. You look at um, Sale, the only team to have only lost one game. They've won six, lost one. So, bearing in mind they've won six, lost one. Their points difference is plus 17. Perfect. They got hammered by Exeter as well, didn't they? Oh, yeah, there's that one. Because it's like 40-odd points. Yeah, yeah. Which is weird, actually. Judge Well, how Exeter play and how Sale perceive themselves, you'd think Sale would deal with that really nicely. But, yeah, Sale Sale are also the third lowest point-scoring team in the Prem. They've only scored more points than Newcastle and Gloucester. 
Yeah, but when you defend that well. So, <laughs> well, they do. They have the second best uh, defence behind only Exeter. Well, again, is this not sort of showing us what we already know about the Premiership, which is it's about what you leave out. Mm. So it is obvious to me that Northampton leave out defence and they rely on scoring lots of points, and that's great. But if no one's scoring any points against you, that's probably better. Mm. So... Yeah, I'm I'm all down for how Sale are going about going about their business. I well, think especially, it's oh, yeah. especially with a guy like George Ford in the team. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. A team that doesn't concede points if, and George Ford. Yeah, if Alex Sanderson is convincing all those young young lads to fly off the line and absolutely annihilate people, that's great. I'm all for it. All for it. Sale did have some bad news this week. Tom Curry. Tom Curry. Do you know there is talk of like this injury being far more serious than even. This is suggested because it was it's season ending, is what we've heard. Yeah, it could be it could be you know, detrimental to his entire career. It could oh. be something which just does not heal. What is it? Hip. Oh God. So it's a really really. So is it like is it a bone thing or a mus- yeah? So muscular? as I understand it, it's one of those injuries which he'll come back from at some point, but it's going to need to be managed for the rest of his career. Oof. It's not. It's not a simple one. This. He's twenty four still. Well, he's 24, but he's got 50 caps. Yeah. I mean, he's that's got some sig- religions, isn't it? He's, and the way that he plays the game, yeah. he d- really does put... It's good job they've got a spare. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, what do you kid. do with a guy like that? Because I don't think you can manage him, really. You can manage the injury through training and conditioning, I guess. You can oh, do that. Imagine how massive he's going to be, because he'll take out all that frustration. Just in the gym? In the gym. In the gym. Yeah, but, yeah. Like, he loves the physicality. You, know, you can just see him on the field. Like He loves the physicality so much that... I think he's going to end up like many great players, like Sam Underhill, like um, so many who just love to smash things. Your and, body can't do it for that long. And so many who never have the careers that they should have done. Like someone like Tom Reese comes to mind. Yeah. Um, and there's lots and lots of players who just never made it because they loved it, like loved the physicality too much. It's a heroic way to play the game, and I'm so glad that these guys exist. But it's not good for you. <laughs> <laughs> guys like Tom Curry are like NFL running backs, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They absolutely. Are. <clears throat> I mean, Tom Curry is just. Uh, I, I think more than anyone in Sale Sharks, the guy who has learnt the most from having all these massive South Africans around is him. He actually plays like he. The way he handles himself now. Is like an extra Dupree, but he has other he, skills on top of that. He would get in ahead of Sia Khaleesi in the South Africa team. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah. From from a performance yeah. perspective, yeah. Not from a leadership perspective. So, yeah, yeah, from a performance perspective. Right. Yeah. On leadership, Tim Tim's favourite player. Did you see this clip the, the, uh, this week from Owen Farrell? The best the best leader. I, uh, the, 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 the clip it, yeah. of Luke Pierce being a bit, a bit off. <laughs> well, do you know... Well, both of them being bellends, really. Yeah, if so if I'm kind of with Owen Farrell on this. Yeah. So I think so I think both of them acted okay. I, I have no problem with either of them doing what they did. No. I think Owen Farrell's reaction is absolutely fine. Yeah. I, I think I, it's fine after the shall game. I, shall I play it? Can, can we hear it? Will we be able you to hear can't it? hear it, no. no you can lip read it, really. So the conversation between Owen Farrell and Luke Pierce was, um, Owen Farrell says, quote, that's three at the mall. In other words, he's saying repeated penalties. Yeah, yeah. You're going to start thinking about a yellow card. Now, he's the captain of the team. Yep. Yep. So, reminding the referee, you know, repeated infringements. I think that's a legitimate conversation to have. Luke Pierce said, thanks, I can count, in quite a sardonic yeah. fashion. Mm-hmm. Which, um, I, I think the sarcasm was unnecessary. Uh, and Owen Farrell's response was, don't be rude to me. There's no need to be rude to me. 
He's right, actually. He is. And do you know what? I wish more people said that to Nigel Owens. I, re- I honestly <laughs> think this. Because referees, I don't mind the occasional one, but when you start venerating this behaviour, like, this is brilliant, this is what it's all about. Aren't rugby referees great? Look at the respect. I don't think it is respectful. I don't think all this, it's not football. I mean, I think that's disrespectful to football. There's nothing respectful about being dis- disrespectful to another sport. Right <laughs> nothing. Um, yeah, yeah. And then all these refs, I don't think they want to be on, be the guys with the sound bites, but there is more of these one-liners than I'd like. I don't mind them occasionally, but some, I think they need to, need to cut it out. Yeah, well, interestingly, I think, so I, 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 my, I was trying to decide when I watched it, I was trying to go, is my Owen Farrell bias at play here? Yeah. Because my in- instant response was like, totally fair enough, Owen. Like, he, he did not need On to be street, sarcastic. On the street, it's fine, right? But <laughs> yeah. that's but, not his yeah, job. The, the bit that, because I'm, I'm with you, I think Farrell's within his right to do that. The problem comes where Farrell has, uh, not very long ago, three, four weeks ago, yeah. conceded what ended up being a match-losing penalty if everything yeah. else stayed exactly the same, yeah. uh, which it doesn't. But he conceded a penalty for talking to a referee in the wrong way in the England-South Africa game. Yeah. Maybe he does just need to bite his tongue. Yeah, I mean, there were maybe that's what makes ask. him... He could have ma- made Luke Pearce look even worse by being killing him with kindness. Thank you, sir. That's what like, we're saying. Like, you uh, uh, oh, well, I don't know what, actually, I don't know what he could have said. I think he was fair enough. I think okay, he was so fair enough. The, f- the initial question, this is why you want an Alan Wynne-Jones, right? The question's important. The initial question sh- shouldn't be, that's three at the ruck, so because yeah, you're, so, you're, you're yeah. telling him something and you're making him make a decision. You could ask him, how many at the ruck, sir? Yeah. Or yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Just w- would, you, would you say that's um, a number of repeated infringements, Luke? Yeah, there is some way to reframe yeah. that question, which is not, that's through the rock! Like, you're blaming the ref for the, for the, for the rock or the mall situation or, or, or whatever it is. But then turn around and say, hey, don't be rude to me. Um, it's just <coughs> not a good look. Wait till after the game. If you've got a real problem with it, wait till after the game. But equally, refs need to cut this out as well. I don't think it's smart, clever, or respectful. Well, interesting, yeah. interestingly, I'm just looking at because uh, I don't. Oh, this was this clip was shared on Twitter, and you put the link of it in our in a WhatsApp group. So I clicked through to Twitter where I don't normally, uh, go, <laughs> and I'm just looking at the the quote tweets of this, and they are pretty much exclusively going. Yeah, fair enough, Owen. Oh really? So, yeah, almost exclusively saying, "Yeah, ref was being uh, was was totally unnecessarily uh, unnecessary there. He was being rude for no reason." Which, bearing in mind it's Twitter. Yeah, if Twitter is coming to Owen Farrell's defence, well, I think he's. Yeah, you, know, you can see. To be fair to the ref, Luke Pierce is Luke Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah to be fair, to great Luke ref. Pierce, great ref. Yeah, he's a really good ref. Uh, there's no two as well. There are whole highlight reels of refs giving one-liners and everyone applauding how great it is, <laughs> and usually. To people that don't really watch rugby, you know, this sort of the sort of guy that says, "Oh, have you seen those clips of the refs? Isn't it amazing about the amount of respect that they get from the players?" And there is that. I know Farrell should have sort of towed that line and said, "Yes, sir, fine, sir." Well, I think so. Uh, Hugh Godwin is someone I saw a lot of a brilliant, a really good journalist. And yep. I, I saw him a lot in, during in, uh, when I was over in France. Really nice guy. Uh, his take on this, he said, "It's a constant juggle between refs chatting away with captains or players and then shutting down discussion." You mm. need you need a few more clips to decide what's going on here. Ellis Gens, for example, was quickly marched back ten early in the match. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think um, Gens isn't good at this. In in fairness to Luke Pearce, he often does very well just to shut down discussion and yeah. just say that. Um, one of the things that 
I've definitely seen Luke Pierce do is uh, that's not how I saw it. Like end of like player complaining saying oh he's he's taking him after the ball he's taking him yeah, in the air whatever you might no, be right but that's not that's how not I've how seen I saw it, it. Yeah. end of yeah there's no more conversation to yeah. have and Luke it, Pierce it, does that brilliantly he could, have, he, could have, he could have said leave me to worry about that that's fine yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah. there's a couple of yeah. ways to influence the ref and I don't agree with them all. But if they work, they work. So the first one is like the Dan Bigger thing. So Dan Bigger is constantly shouting at the opposition. There's no laws against that. But you know he's always shouting at the, uh, at the opposition and bringing it to the ref's attention, but without saying it to the ref. And that is the important part. You know he'll be like, he's got his hands on the ball. He's got his hands on the ball. He's got his hands on. The ball. You you can you can shout that. You can definitely shout that. But you can't say ref. He's got his yeah, hands on the ball. Yeah, yeah, sir, sir. Yeah, you can't implore the ref to do something. Uh, it's a tough job as well. I ref. Well, we've been mm. in, in our in our WhatsApp group. We've uh, you know a referee at um, level five, level six says how difficult it is with, yeah. with people. And I had it this morning. I was refereeing a I was refereeing a game. We didn't have a society ref, so I stepped up. I'm the I'm the referee when there is no ref because um, I used to ref. Yeah, and. Uh, it, it's tough. There, there was one point where and it's, it's, it's the parents. There's one point where you have got a lineup set up, and so there's like twenty lads in close proximity, and there's one parent. Ridiculous! What was that? You didn't. That was high. Ridiculous. I just, <laughs> high line out. Just wanted. I just wanted to say something, and I just. I, I think all I said was thanks for your input yeah um, but uh, I shouldn't have even I, give, given him that but I, what I wanted to say was these la- these 15 year olds are behaving way better than you sort sure. yourself out yeah, yeah. I, I, I think from my experience parents are normally the worst and parents create environments for their kids to be worse as well yeah if, if all parents just took the sensible mature approach and say the ref's doing their best it's bloody difficult because you've got a lot of things going on at any given time and they are going to miss things yeah, but they will do their best overall well. do you understand how society is set up at the moment that <laughs> if you I've seen this at, at, at my school every parent should be concerned with every little thing that their kids do regardless yeah and it's not surprising that it boils over in it boils o- o- over into sport there's no such yeah. thing as uh, just letting your child go out and make mistakes and be treated badly on the rugby pitch and dealing with themselves you have to be involved uh, so uh, so louis doing his gcse's this year um this summer or next yeah this in in may june mm. he'll be doing his exams and i get even at you know he'll be 16 in january i i get emails every week uh, t- telling me what homework he has and hasn't done. I just I've never read a single one of those emails. <laughs> I'm I've never way. read one. I'm so, like I'm I'm this ch- this this son of mine is going to be a flipping adult <laughs> in two years' time. I'm not going to monitor his. his oh, oh, the teacher says you've done this. You've still got this assignment. No, I, I'm so down with that, Tim. So we get all these emails like today is I don't know International Pumpkin Day or World Book Day or you know Anti-Bullying Day or, or there's, there's some particularly egregious day that they had to go in for and I was thinking like right I'm here with I'm here with their homework their right angles and, and whatnot. I'm like we've got this back to front I should be teaching them about International Slavery Day should I decide to do so and you teach them about right angles and once the right angles are absolutely squared away excuse the pun you can then teach your pet project right but until that time I'm not doing a single bit of homework a single bit and it's, it's nuts the whole thing's nuts and also I don't think it makes a shred of difference anyway <laughs> Uh, so one game we didn't touch on um, the Slater Bowl 
Slater Bowl, yeah, nice, lovely photograph again. Although sad, but what what a great what I know. I mean, sad to see Ed already mm. like, with his um, I don't know what you call it the trolley mobility trolley thing, like yeah. the, his um, frame thing. And we've talked about it before, like <sighs> a, a literal no, not literal, but a, a figurative superhero. At, yeah, at, of a human being. Yes, a couple of years ago on the rugby field. Yeah, it is remarkable, and, and still then, like, it was one of the things that. I noticed when we met um, Doddy Weir in Monaco. Doddy Weir was still the, just about the biggest bloke in that room. Yeah, in in a room full of superheroes, and Ed Slater stood there, just about the biggest bloke there, and he is like a superhero or was like a superhero, and it's it's heartbreaking to see one of a handful of men who can actually play the sport at a very very high level. Literally uh, level. So, so yeah. jarring. And, yeah. and, and I know it makes uh, it puts everything in perspective, and it doesn't really matter. But it I just uh, I, he deserved that England cap. He was so he couldn't get any closer to playing for England without playing. Why for England. did he not get it? Again? Injury. What he, was he, he, what? he captained England in a non-cap, non-cap game, game against? I think it was the Crusaders in yeah, 2014. Right. Maybe he was absolutely <sighs> going to get it, and then it was an injury. Same happened to Dan Ward Smith, another great player. Who should yeah, Dan Ward Smith was a great player. Mm. Yeah. Um, the game, it always felt like Leicester were going to win this, even though Leicester's scrum was bad until Dan Cole came on. Gloucester's scrum was good, and Leicester's line-out was a bit shaky. It wasn't its usual self. I know um, Montoya, Montoya has just come back into the fold, and there's probably a bit of rust there. But to have limited line-out and little scrum, and still to comprehensively win... It shows the importance of having someone like Pollard there yes. and, and some of the ball carriers they've got as so, well. So, Santiago... Carreras. Carreras, yes, thank you. Um, not Sacchino. Not Sacchino. He is a fine player. We can all agree he's a fine player. He, he is a superb player. But... I think sometimes the physicality of the game gets to him. And I think he just... He doesn't give up. He, he never gives up as such. But I think there's just... If he's in the real pressure defensively, he's very brave, but eventually it just tells on him and then he misses key tackles. So That's he, what I think. Yeah, there was a couple on Hassel Collins, um, particularly for the f- Hassel Collins' first try. Yeah. Um, second, he couldn't, re- Carreras couldn't really have done anything. But first try, he could have done better. I on just that. don't see it being a reasonable option to play him at fullback unless it's an emergency. So I understand why they hit him on the wing for so long now. I think that's quite clear why they hit him on the wing. Because I always had the feeling in the back of my mind, why would you have a world-class playmaker hidden on the wing? Unless his English was so bad he couldn't just yeah, couldn't yeah. tell anyone that he's a world-class fly-half. Guys, guys, I'm really good. No, <laughs> don't believe you're on the wing. Right? And I think it must be this def- defensive frailty. Because mm. you don't want him in the middle of the park, although I think he'd be more suited to defending in the middle of the park than... Because that, you can always man. tuck in a uh, back row. Yeah, exactly. So you can get help around him. And actually, yeah. the, the size of the wingers nowadays... I mean, I remember the the moment that Bath game was lost was not when they scored around him. It was when he had to make a massive tackle on Joe Cock and a singer. And he made the tackle, but in the process of doing so, I think that was the game done for him. He's like, yeah. no more of this. And then it was the Will Muir Yeah, the Will Muir all... After that. Uh, yeah, knees and elbows everywhere. He's just like, no, please, just have your try. And I think the same, same happened with Hassel Collins, because he is, what, six foot four, maybe, and 100 kilograms? 
Yeah, I think he's over 100 kilograms. He's yeah. absolutely he's huge. A big boy. So, yeah, that's it's a problem for them because I, he's too good to leave out. Yeah. I'd play him at 10 until I don't know what well, to do with him. But then, to me, they, they want to, they're sticking with Barton. They want to develop Barton because Barton is there for the long term. Santiago Carreras, at the end of his current deal, will probably we'll be, be going to France. Yeah, of course. Because he's just too talented. Too famous, too talented. Yeah. Yeah, just too good. Works well in France. So they, so they, they can't, they've got to um, develop Barton. But the Premiership very much is turning into the NFL in terms of it, you have to win it now. There's no point. Like, if you're going to have a guy like Carreras, but you think, you think you're rebuilding your team, just, just get rid of him. Yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah. He's going to be a lot of money, unless he's not a lot of and money. Gloucester are not going to win it. now. Yeah, he won't be a lot of money now. His next deal will be a lot of money. Yeah, His next not, deal will be huge. Yeah, I'd stop bidding off players. I, if I thought I wasn't going to win it by about midway through the year... I would do what Newcastle did last year, which is not good for the game, it's not good for the sport, but it's good for my club. It's good for the bank balance. It's good for the bank balance and just get rid of the players. Just, you can go, you can go, you can go. We're not going to well, win anything. Well, with no relegation as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm. There's no point in keeping them. If you thought, like, I, I wonder... Uh, we, yeah, it's a tricky one to say because obviously it's it's still early in the season. I'm sure George Skivington wouldn't be thinking in defeatist terms like that. He lost five in but, a row, though. But if he could have, if he could have looked into at this point and go, you're going to be 16 points off the top of the table after seven games, um, and he had the chance in the summer to clean house and get rid of a bunch of people, whether mm. he, whether he might have done a Borthwick from he, that, yeah, and well, well, Gloucester, so. Um, Gloucester have won two of their seven games, but they were both when uh, there was a lot of internationals missing for other teams. Yeah, um, I sort of read something today that said Gloucester's last twenty-two games they've won five of, which is precisely the same number that Newcastle have won of their <laughs> last twenty-two games. Yeah, they wow. they beat Sarah. Oh no, that was Premiership Rugby Cup. Sorry, the uh, Premiership. They won their first game against Harlequins, mm-hmm. and they beat Newcastle. And they've lost every game since. Well, weirdly, yeah. I still actually believe in Gloucester. I, so I do. Despite them getting hammered. I do. Well, they're not getting hammered, but they're just... I like the back line. Um, <coughs> you know, the, the back three is electric. Uh, the sensors are pretty handy. Mm. I mean, they could do with um, Hastings back. That would be nice. Yeah. And then up front, they're not bad. They're just not bad. And they're not great, though. They're, they've They've got... A bit of Northampton about them, yeah. Well, but they're they're on a bad trajectory. They can they can hit reset a little bit. They've got um, well, Bristol's a good matchup for them. That'll be a good game. I yeah, think they are. I think Bristol will smash them. <laughs> and, and then then they travel. To, this could be a good like right here we go team building weekend. Twelve days time. Saturday, December the 9th, Black Lion away. Sorry, in, Black in, Lion in the, in the Challenge Cup to Lisi, Georgia. Yeah, what? Wow, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, they're going to. So that's Gloucester going to Black Lion. Gloucester going to Tbilisi to play Black Lion. Quick stop uh, in Dubai on the way, or on the yeah. way back. Maybe make it Kiev. on the way back. Kiev. <laughs> that's all. That's all. Kiev awesome. or that, Tel Aviv. That would be, be a great time. Yeah. Um, and then they got Claremont the following week. Hmm. That's a that's a, a mixed group, you might say. <laughs> European competition we'll have to get our heads on this in a couple of weeks it's uh, it's a bit mad isn't it so next yeah. week we've got Bristol yeah Bristol that's going to be an interesting game yeah we can, we can jump ahead to next week's fixtures yeah so uh, 
One one did thing we, to note on that. Did we talk about Bristol? No, we didn't even Bristol talk about Saracens. Uh, we touched well, on well, it. No, so, through yeah, Farrell. Well, the only thing I want to say is uh, Farrell had eight kicks, missed six of them, and yeah. so, so the win was by eight points. Saracens, if uh, Farrell had his kicking boots on, would have given Bristol. A, they scored seven tries. Yeah, and Saracens looked ominously good. Jamie George was great. The Mall was brilliant. So Saracens' defence a bit porous though. Yeah, Conceded four tries. I'm going to yeah. refer you back to BT Sport again today. TNT Sport. Oh, of course, TNT Sport. And they did the rugby. <laughs> I remember the good days. Yeah. Of <laughs> <sport>. <laughs> I tell you what, Tim. There is a lot of. I know. I'm not going to. I'm not. Look, I'm, I'm in the complimentary mood to TNT Sport today, so I'll carry on with the compliments, and I won't mention. The downsides <laughs> from this week. Um, on TNT Sport, uh, it was Craig Doyle, Stuart Hogg and Tom May. Tom May, because he has... He, I don't think he's got any other agenda to push other than he's there to talk about rugby. And Stuart Hogg talked about rugby really nicely too. And they were talking about kicking and how uh, Owen Farrell will not be worried about missing six, six kicks because he's such... he's. He's such a product of process. So it's like, okay, yeah, I've missed six, but I, I trust my process. And you'll just go back to it and slot the next 80% of, you know, 87 out of 100. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really neat point, actually, which is kicking is not as much about the natural talent as people think. <coughs> it's all about the process. Mm. Yeah, Tom is really, really good today. I was incredibly impressed with him. Mm. Him and Hogg. Um, with Farrell as well, multiple of those tries. Um, Farrell's try... Lewington's two try, the Billy Vunner Tripola try. The Lewington one was, uh, if it's the one I'm thinking of, was it ace. Uh, the, was the cross kick, and then there was, which was the second one, there was the hands into the, hands the corner. The hands in the corner, I love. Yeah, that was Goodness lovely. Goodness me. But they, they were all in the corners. Yeah. Like every, every try was from the corners. Now, he did miss a penalty from in front, uh, but, which never happens. But I think you're right. I don't think. I think he'll probably look and say, well, those kicks I would normally be expecting to get, say, 40% out of um, kicks from the corners. I got 25% from kicks from the corners. Like It's it's not it's well within um, a couple of standard deviations from where you would anticipate it to be for those difficult kicks. Yeah, not Therefore, a, not an issue at all. Not a big story for me. Um, <laughs> bigger story is Saracens just look ace. Like really ace, uh, and also Bristol look terrible. Um, is that fair? Is Bristol, that fair? Bristol do Bristol got some lovely runners. Um, Ibatoy for the who scored that try? Kieran Marmion try. Yeah, I like Marmion. I've always liked Marmion. Yeah. Now, what has happened to the new Fijian superstar that they've got? Revovo. Yeah, well, where is he? He came off the bench. Did he? Was he any good? Uh, he didn't really have a lot of time to. He had their last ten minutes. Do you, so now Largo. Um, is another uh, Fijian British Army, but Fijian yeah. born and raised superstar who we've hardly seen in the last two so years. I've heard that. What's the first guy called again? Revovo. Revovo is not playing because he's not acclimatised into the Bristol way of life, the Bristol Brass Brotherhood. Mm. But he arrived later than Vakatawa, who obviously must come as a ready-made bear. Mm. Well, no, Revovo was with Fiji at the World Cup. Ah. ah, yeah, so maybe he's right then. Maybe he's he been there a couple of weeks. That would make more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now Largo was a... He is a talented boy, but he's... We've hardly seen him in the last two years. He was one who was... He was named... <laughs> this is how weird some of the Eddie Jones squads were. 
He was named as an injured player in one of Eddie Jones's squad, despite never being named <laughs> in a preceding I, or following or subsequent squad. Well, he's obviously dual qualified. Uh, yes, which he is, is. I mean, there is a history of weird call-ups of dual qualified lads, <laughs> isn't there? And you all said as as a conspiracy theorist. Uh, I, I still think you are. No, um, your calculation. Sam, Sam Moore. Your Sam calculation Moore. Sam is Moore. Uh, two plus two equals eighteen. Sam Moore. <laughs> you, someone explains to me Sam Moore. England captain, uh, whatever he was under eighteens, under twenties, uh, former super, former future superstar that never materialised. No, um, Gary Graham. Someone explain that one to me. Gary Graham had a great season for Newcastle. Tremendous, absolutely tremendous. Um, the list goes on. <laughs> Cam Redpath, 12, 12 years old, getting called, called up. He's a talented boy. He is He is actually one they really missed out on. Yeah, although he's, he's I'm still not sure he's ever quite been the same since his knee injury. I don't know. The thing about Cam Redpath is the lack of mistakes. And I tell you what, he's got a lovely deft touch every now and again. He do, yeah, he does. Like, he's not... I do know what, you are right. He hasn't yet had the game when you think, yes... That is the boy. That yeah. is the absolute boy. He is a lovely player, though. But there's some bits of he's his a great game. player. Great. He's a really subtle, really subtle player. Unlike um, my boy Max Germo, who is outrageously talented <laughs> in every way possible. That was one of the things. I'm um, very quickly going back to Sale Bath. I only saw the highlights, but Bath had two really good breaks, both down the right wing, both in the first half and failed to fin- convert either of them to tries. Now, part of that is great scrambled defence by Sale, mm-hmm. but Bath should be... If, you, if, if they score one of those two tries, they win the game. And felt like a missed opportunity for them to go to the Temple of Fun and get, Beat down get four points. Temple of Fun. Beat down Boulevard. There you go. Um, and Sedgley had a good win away to Cinderford. I have no week. idea what happened. I in... think there was no lower league games in most Well, there was cases, Cup, there? you see. So, oh, okay. on the RFU website, it doesn't update the Cup. Mm. Fixtures next week. Oh, oh and uh, let's not mention um, my beloved Ulster going oh, up yeah. to Glasgow. Although, we did have... Uh, you might have actually mentioned it before, but Ian Kennedy messaged us about it. Um one thing, only one thing to note in this game, because we'll just ignore the whole Ulster performance other than them going 14-0 up. Uh, Johnny Matthews, former Sedgley Park um, Johnny Matthews, um, who is, he has an astonishing um, try-scoring record for Glasgow. Um, I think he was the top scorer in the Pro 14, Pro 14 uh, URC last season. Okay. He scored two tries this week from the bench. Second was a pushover. The first was one of the best tries I've seen by a uh, hooker from oh Christ, okay, from forty meters down the wing. It's wow. awesome, absolutely awesome. It's worth watching the highlights just for the first Johnny Matthews try. Has that hooker gone somewhere interesting? So I say that hooker. Do you remember in the? Do you know what? I'll, I'll decide. I'll talk to you about this. Off air, I can't remember the name. I can't remember the club that he's been. <laughs> that he's that, been so it'd be a lot. Of, be here a while. Yeah, it'd be a lot of guessing about an ex Sedgley hooker. That so hooker, club, which you don't know. So that hooker went somewhere, and he's really good. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that after the game. Yeah, perfect. Let's do that. Um, next weekend's fixtures. Yes, JB, your beloved Sale travel to. Where do they travel to? Twickenham Stoop. 
Oh, they will smash Harlequins. <coughs> I have no doubt about this. This feels like a bad matchup for Harlequins, although um, they clearly rested some of their Type 5 to save themselves for this weekend. Well, I'll add this as well. When Sale go to the stoop, it doesn't that often end well. Mm. We've had some mighty beatdowns with some really good teams going there. And, well, Harlequins are good. They are legitimately good. Just because they haven't won the last two games, and one of them was one of the most de- embarrassing defeats, <laughs> I'd say, in the last decade of Harlequins. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would go, it is the most embarrassing defeat that that club has had in a decade. Just because they were that bad two weeks ago doesn't mean they'll be that, that bad this week. It'll be very close. Mm. Be, I think fact, this will be a close game. Yeah. I think this will be surprisingly if, close. If Harlequins start scoring like Harlequins can, Sale are going to find it hard to keep up. Although, as well, Sale have not scored many um, points, as I highlighted before. Um, but they, their defence has also been very, very tight. So it, that is it. It's, can Harlequins get into their rhythm or can Sale shut them down long enough to kind of back it... Um, cement those doubts that Quinns will inevitably have have after losing the last yeah. two games. You know, I, I love Quinns and the fight that they have on the extre- on the extremities of, of the field. So I love Liner. I think Liner fights like nobody else to get the ball back. To he does yeah. he does a look do you know who he reminds me of? Kind of like a Jack Knoll. Mm. Like he's so busy and so physical. But so so is Murley. And Murley does the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you think of these boys as finishers, but actually what they're doing is able to win your battles on you know one on one, right out wide. I love that. And you combine that with Will Evans, who is an absolute menace of the highest order. Yeah. All of a sudden you've got a real problem. And Esther Hazen. <sighs> yeah, not bad. Not bad. How do you see it going? So you're going so, for wins. Yeah, one one word. I'm gonna say Quinns to right the wrongs. <sighs> You've got to say Sale, surely. I think Quinns will win this. And Cocker? Um, Form would say Sale, but... I'm going to go Quinns at home. All going Quinns. Yeah. Saturday, we have got uh, two three o'clocks. Bath hosting Exeter. Give me Bath. 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 Yeah, Bath. I don't think... I I loved what Exeter are trying to do. I think, actually, Bath are more fluid. Yeah, mm. and Finn Russell's getting better and better and better. Yeah, he's, he's the more he gets embedded in that team and the more people learn how There's he plays. There's just not many teams, are there, which you could assemble where Townsend and Skinner are going to get the better of Spencer and Finn Russell. Like, which other players would you need to put, the, put around those players in order for Skinner... Sorry, Harvey Skinner. Harvey Skinner? Yes. Yeah, and Stu Townsend to win. It's... Or Ken, whichever starts. Yeah, whichever, whichever combination you, you go with, you're going to need an enormous contribution from everyone else. I don't think they've got enough talent in the rest of the Exeter team to make up for those halfbacks. So yeah. Bath, all round yeah. Bath, all, all round, round Bath, Queens, all round Bath, Bristol, Gloucester. Yeah, I think maybe Bristol. I think maybe I think Bristol. probably Bristol. But both both are having disappointing seasons. I'm gonna languishing in eighth and ninth. By the way, anyone seen or heard anything from AJ McGinty of late? No. No, it's just been sheedy. 400,000 is a lot of money not to play someone. Uh, is he, presumably he's um, unavailable due to injury. I'd assume so, because just no word. When I, I love the fact that when we're closing in on two hours of a podcast and we go, right, let's quickly just get through the final fix. says, JB manages to find a way. Let's, let's, I'm going to stop that rabbit hole. If you know where AJ McGinty is, let us know. Well, I am just checking 
the so well, here we go like one of the premiership's most highly paid players so Bristol when they do announce a team um, as they did on Friday lunchtime midday they always give you unavailable and the list of unavailable players for Bristol this week included um, one AJ McGinty alongside lots of others unavailable because he's just spending his four hundred thousand pounds yeah He's too busy on Black Friday sales with his cash. <laughs> Good lad, AJ. You enjoy it. You enjoy it. By the way, Black Friday, what a con that is. <laughs> I, I reckon if you just track the price... Hang on. How am I not allowed to talk about rugby players and you're allowed to yeah. talk about... <laughs> Fine, I won't go there. No, no, no. no. Don't go there. But if you track the price of anything you're actually interested in for the last few weeks, seeing the price go up and up and up, just so they can drop it back to where it was any already. see. Interesting. Or putting, like... Uh, in fact, I learned, oh no, no, it's another rant. I'll do it for another time. I, I found out the codes at TK Maxx, which means you should know, you should look for the codes as to what what you should should and shouldn't buy. Oh wow, Whoa. that is good. That is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, what? oh right, okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I thought it was your phone. Some, then. Something was that Rudy upstairs? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, ne- ne- next fixture is five thirty <laughs> on Saturday. So we're all going for Bristol. So we're all going for three home wins. We no. are. I think I want to go for Gloucester just because I really want them to beat Bristol. Okay. And you, but you're not going for Sale. You do really because want. I don't think Sale will win. Okay. Bath, uh, Bath is the only one of the teams so far without like a, a, a sort of a character on their badge. I'm just looking. Good. Yeah. <laughs> not them in Northampton are the only, yeah, are well, the only ones. Good. Keep it that uh, way. And Saracens have just got a. They don't have a character. Rust. The. the They've got the star and the mi- star yeah. and the moon. Is that? I don't know. Well, is, it, or is, that, is that going to be a blade? Yeah. Is that a blade and a star? I don't know. Anyway, I can't, I can't believe that no one's come for them for, uh, it, for cultural appropriation. Don't you worry about it. it it's coming. Any <laughs> <laughs> matter of time. Uh, anyway. Next game, five thirty on Saturday. Uh, Saracens host Northampton oh, Saints. It's a belter. Saracens will win. Saracens. And Saints, yeah. on Sunday we have Tigers hosting Falcons. Not interested. Home win. So I'm interested in watching Tigers. I'm not. I'm, I'm not so, interested in watching Tigers against Newcastle. I'm, yeah, I'd still watch Tigers. I'm saying uh, I'm enjoying, all home wins. Yeah, Alex Codling's got his work out, hasn't he? He's just not got the squad, or the investment, or the money, or the fan base, or anything you need for a professional professional rugby team. And I do sort of enjoy watching them toil, see what these lads can do because they're there to play. But yeah, I'm with you, Tim. It's it's hard to stay interested. Right. Maybe, uh, again, it all depends on whether you can get the kids down early enough, Phil. But potentially, right, or, or it could just be, we, we could either watch the game or it, we could just have this going on through the podcast. The game next week, Sunday night in the top 14, is Stade Francais against Toulouse. Maybe the maybe they're playing. Maybe it's the JV Whoever wins ball. that game, I will support. <laughs> there I'd, you go. We could try and record early and then... We record six till eight. Well, I don't know what time I land. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, if, so are you willing to say that they are playing for your? Yeah, go for, for it. your support. Go for it. Because they're the two contenders, aren't they? Yeah, I think I prefer to lose. I think. Well, mm. you know, to lose might win. Please, please. Yeah, I don't know. it does feel a bit boring. I know. Would I rather rock, rock, rock around wearing stuff on say stuff or? Like the ties and the cufflinks and whatnot, all. I I do own a Toulouse tie. You do actually. It's a real nice piece of kit. It's a lovely tie. Yeah. Can I have that then? No, absolutely not. Why? I support them. You don't. Uh, no, I, I, don't sp- I support Bordeaux. Yeah. Well, 
What if I buy you a Bordeaux tray? If you, you get me a Bordeaux tray of a comparable quality... If you're quality. Winner, you going to go, oh, no, that's not really... That doesn't count. I'll have a look at their tie selection. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be slick as. Look at that. Yeah, that is cool. Look at that shirt. Yeah, but the thing is... Stade Francais are a product of multiple owners and sort of, you know, fads and fashions and, you know, look at this pink thing. Whereas the aristocratic Toulouse is just, it's it's a culturally bred institution. It's a very different beast. There, there are no fads. There are no fashions. There's just good old-fashioned hard rugby by brilliant players. Mm. Okay, so you're going back on that, that next weekend is the JB Bowl. Well, I'll have to really consider. It's a big decision, Tim. You don't just jump into bed with the first rugby team you find. Um, oh, by the way, we've had a great weekend, a great week of emails. I would, I'm not going to go into every one of them, but it seems that a lot of people liked our content on mon- on, on Monday, and I've never seen a reaction like it. I, mm. To be fair, so thank you all for emailing in. Uh, if you want to email any more, let let us know. Contact. Uh, Contact Edchasers at gmail.com And you can support the podcast if you appreciate uh, You want to help keep the lights on And get some extra uh, additional spicy content oh, from time to time I completely forgot to tell you Tim and, and the listeners I'll just, just say go, uh, go to patreon.com slash eggchasers yeah. Well, do you know what I did th- uh, this weekend? Uh, CrossFit I came third in an RX comp mm, Congratulations so, Yeah, I mean, it was Podium very, finish Podium finish was a very big comp I think we had six or seven teams uh, but yeah, uh, first RX comp because I keep getting injured before them, and I, I didn't lift so well. But um, third overall, we did awful on the first one. So uh, R- RX for the uninitiated is basically like the uh, it's Latin for prescribed, is o- it not? Yeah, prescribed. But it's it's the open division. Uh, you could be open division where you're up against anyone. So like it could be real top athletes, and uh, and then you have scaled. Uh, scaled competitions for intermediate and beginners. Yeah, so we had so it was RX comp first uh, first wad we did not do workout we did not do so well, and then the rest of the gym came came to support. So uh, my friend Victoria, uh, Laura, uh, and a few others showed up, and at that point, because of course there's people from the box that know you, you can't not work hard. You've got to work extra hard then. So we smashed the one on the rower. I think we won that. What what was the what was the workout? You hold a eighty kilogram barbell at the top of the lift, and you have to row. And the other partner has to row one hundred and thirty five calories. So you can swap whenever you want, okay. but you cannot row unless so be, that barbell be, be, is in the air. So you have to keep go. You have to, you can row when the barbell's in the air until one hundred and thirty five calories are done. As a pair, but but the difficult the, the time is the changeover time. Yeah, so you can do whatever. You, if you do 135 calories in one go, and you can hold that bar for that long. Sorry, what what lift is it? It's an 80 kilogram deadlift, but you have to hold at the top no. of the deadlift. Oh, not, oh not, yeah. not deadlift overhead. Nope. Oh just no, deadlift. just holding the bar. You've just got to hold the bar. Say, can can so you do the can you do the cross hand grip? Uh, like to, like alter, alternate yep. grip. The only oh, thing you want to do is like squat into it. That'd be all right. Well, if you so think, well, what's you the get... calorie rule? Thirty-five, one hundred thirty-five, which is about. Okay. I'd say that's about. I can do thirty-five five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Five six minutes. So I can do thirty-five calories in one minute. Yeah, yeah but then you can't Go do that for it. five consecutive. No, no I four, cannot. Four consecutive minutes. Yeah. So it's you yeah, got to work so out. So that's that's an interesting one. It's a really good one. Yeah. 
I, so how how long could you hold? And when you're fatigued as well, how we long did you hold eighty kg? Five minutes eighteen, I think. Yeah. Okay. So we did. I started with thirty-five calories in the first minute. Then we swapped and got twenty-five minutes and twenty-five calories in the second minute. Yeah. And then we went to twenty, 20 calories. Yeah, because you're after you've been rowing, your grip is fatigued more. Yeah. Take your shoes off the rower because you can get in and out of that rower so quick. <laughs> and that is that when you've got more changeovers. So we smashed that one. Uh, and then we came second in the lifting because my, my arm is still weak and I can only pathetically get 110 over my head, mm. which is just embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Um, just just on that, I can, have, have you tried doing the hanging for two minutes? No, this is the yeah. Peter Atier thing, isn't it? It's yeah. a what, sorry? Peter Atier thing. Yeah, I'm sure I can I've do not, it. I've not, I've, I don't know from Peter Atier, but I've, I've just done it in the past. I've tried it. Yeah, I've, I can, can you do it? it? Yeah, yeah, I've, I can I, do it. It's, it's we, we did it as painful. a warm up in a workout a while ago. It is, it is, it's, it's hard. Like, yeah. I'm sure really if I know. absolutely had to do it, I could do it. I'm, I'm, I'm certain I could do it actually, but it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, it no, it's really not easy. easy. I, I would say one. Of, no, it's not easy at all. And one of the things you do is you, like the the hook grip. Yeah, so, so hold, hold your thumb. There are some calculations that some science Peter is here. This science kind of guy has come up with for longevity. One of them is grip strength, and one of them is mm. like, you must be able to hang for two minutes. But this one's like, carry your own body weight for five minutes in a farmer's walk or something ridiculous. It's like, um, I mean, that's a no. That's okay. a lot. That, no, like, that's difficult. But is he just picking things that correlate with longevity, yeah. long term health? Don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll send you the clip, but he's got like, mm. all these different things, like what you should be able to do. And it's not things you expect, like squat. It's. Farmers carry your own weight or mm. something like that. Hang for two minutes. There's a few others. Have you seen this clip, Tim? No. Yeah, there's a few but other I'm, weird weird ones. In, I think. I've, heard, I've heard him talk about the hanging just being really good for like pot and like grip strength being. A, it's not. It's not um, correlate. It's correlation rather than causation. He's not saying if you have a great grip strength, you'll be good. But yeah. that people that ha- have good longevity have a good grip strength. Yeah. So like. If you're thinking of smoking 60 a day, but you can do it whilst hanging for two minutes, it's not going to help you out much. <laughs> no. But I can start to see, uh, like, that whole Tai Chi thing that old people do. I know it looks like it. Well, that's not doing any good. But, like, it's, you sort of go... You, that some of these little shit, some of these stuff that's been around for hundreds of years, probably <laughs> so, know a thing or two, don't they? So, funny enough, my partner in this... Uh, my workout partner, a guy called Joe... Uh, his mum is a Grandmaster Tai Chi expert, which uh, I found hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> In oh fact, my. I was walking down the black mer- belt, black belt Tai Chi. <laughs> yeah, good luck defending <laughs> yourself. Um, I was walking down the Mersey, not so because we are in Charleston and it is you know Bohemian hell some days. In fact, Bohemian hell, and we had someone being chased by the police run through my garden uh, on on Wednesday. Really? Yeah, they abandoned their car outside, then jumped over my hedge, and I'm sitting literally where I am now, looking out that window. I saw two, um, uh, like a set of male legs, uh, jump over my hedge. So um, yeah, but yeah, walking down the Mersey, and some woman is doing Tai Chi, just completely socially unaware. I thought, you know, what, what a privileged position to be in to really not <laughs> care <laughs> at all that people are watching you and just enjoying your Tai Chi. Oh yeah. No, you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've got to get, reach a certain age, haven't you? You've got to be a certain state, start, status and age in life to really not care what, what other people think. <laughs> Contact edchasers at gmail.com yes. and let the boys end. Beauty. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.